Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So today we're going to be continuing our set review of March of the Machine. And today uh, we're going into the main deck cards. So last week we covered all the commanders, and this time we're going to be focusing on the other 99. But before we jump in, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits, including ad-free episodes for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's jump into it. Uh, this set is unusual in that it actually has a colorless card. Um, so we'll start off by reading that and then we'll go through color order. So the first card we're going to be talking about is a battle. So I think we could probably get this out of the way now. Uh, Battles are a new card type. All of the battles in March of the Machine have the subtype Siege. And the way Sieges work is uh, you cast them for their cost. They stay on the battlefield, uh, but you choose an opponent that must protect it. So players, uh, anyone who isn't protecting a Siege can attack it. Uh, It comes into play with four counters on it. Kind of like loyalty counters, and then you remove a number of counters equal to the amount of damage dealt to it. When you remove the last counter, it's defeated, uh, and when it's defeated, you exile the battle and then cast it transformed. So all of the battles uh, in this set have another side. Some of them are permanents of other types, like creatures or enchantments. Um, some of them are, are instants or sorceries. Uh, there are, I mean. Anything could be on the backside of one of these things. Um, but um, that's essentially the rules. Did I leave out anything important? No. Um, so Siege is the subtype that has these kind of rules attached to it. We might see uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, different types of battles in the future. So this is just how Sieges work. It's a it's a thing with counters that anyone can attack and that kind of stuff. So right now it's like really not too complicated even though like the mechanic the card type itself is pretty complicated just like (laughs) on the surface but um i think that's good for the first run and they kind of push them uh speaking of push them do you want me to read off the the whole text of this guy uh yeah go right ahead yeah so this is the invasion of ravnica so on this set all of the battles are the invasion of something Uh, because all of the planes whoa so this is the invasion of ravnica it is a battle siege it costs five generic uh when it enters the battlefield you put it on to an opponent's control they're protecting it blah 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 that stuff Uh, and when invasion of ravnica enters the battlefield exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls that isn't exactly two colors Uh, and this one has four defense so if you can remove all four of those defense, you exile it and flip it into Guild Pact Paragon. So Guild Pact Paragon is a 5-5 artifact creature construct that says whenever you cast a spell that's exactly two colors, look at the top six cards of your library. You may reveal a card that's exactly two colors from among them and put it in your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So five mana, Invasion of Ravnica. Five mana, exile a non-two-color permanent, and then you get this weird 5-5 on the back. So how do you feel about him? 
I mean, for the front half, the easiest point of comparison is uh, Introduction to Annihilation. This is, that's that colorless uh, lesson that we got back in Strixhaven. So it's essentially the same. Uh, in- Introduction to Annihilation also gave it the permanence controller a card, but basically, like, you would almost, in most color identities, you would not run this card. Very few decks are so desperate for like permanent removal that they would run something that cost five. And if you sort of look on EDH rec for what decks are running intro to annihilation, it's almost entirely colorless decks. Um, so that's really what, where I would probably run this card. Um, or that would be the first place I would consider running this card is just colorless decks that have very, very few options for permanent removal. Um, I think it'd be pretty good there. And then the back half of the card, there is a deck that wants this, um, or maybe even two decks that want this. I'm thinking of like uh, Niv-Mizzet Reborn runs a million two-color cards of various color identities. Um, And then General uh, Ferris Rokarik also runs like multicolor. He really, really wants you to run multicolor cards. and because he's just in a two-color identity, they're all two colors. Um, so that's, I mean, it's kind of a possibility, but I don't know if it's worth like deviating from the deck's theme or like diluting your hit rate in order to get this. Although it is really sick once you get the, the back half on this card, like being able in, you know, just always like never going down on cards essentially because both of them have such a high enough density that you're always going to hit when you flip the top six um it's tough i think ferris rokarik is better at being able to flip this card because he makes four fours anyways you're almost certainly going to be able to to deal enough damage to it mm-hmm. um niv mizzet like really doesn't run that many creatures i don't think i feel like he's mostly just like efficient removal spells yeah, just the best ones you know yeah so maybe i would consider this in ferris rokarik but it is like you know you're kind of taking your turn off from making a million golems because this is like a huge chunk of your turn's tempo in a red white deck um you do get to exile something but it's really just kind of like a big setup for next turn where you like you know just play a card, get a new card, play a new card, get a new card over and over. Do you, what, what do you think? Like it's such a it is a big investment, but it's a big reward. Yeah, so this is some stuff, some thoughts about just battles in general. So I actually do think it'll be pretty easy to flip in both decks. One, it like in general Rockrick, you're gonna be having a ton of four fours, and then in Niv Mizzet, you just have a six six flyer. So like you don't really need it per se. Like your commander gives you like a ton of cards every time you cast it. But if you do want to play it, if you're like, you open this like cool splashy mythic and you want to put it somewhere. Um, I do think it'll be pretty easy to flip. And that's kind of how I'm going to evaluate a lot of these um, battles is like what deck wants this and like how easy is it? And if the commander has flying, it's way easier to flip this or if the commander makes tokens it's way easier to flip this um so that's 
what I'm thinking. Pretty much everything you said. Um, I I feel like this one in particular will be pretty easy to attack um, and flip and get that backside because the only decks that really want it are going to be good at that. <laughs> but some of them we'll get to later are it's a little bit more difficult to like the decks that want maybe the front or backside might have a harder time uh, getting to the backside in in certain circumstances. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think this is interesting. I think it's kind of a trap for most people just because the front side is so expensive uh, and so few people are running like that high density of two color cards. Like if you look at any two color deck list on um, EDH rec or architect or Moxfield or anywhere, it's going to be mostly monocolored cards, but just like a bunch of different monocolored cards from two colors. There's, there's not often just like 32, like, green red cards in a deck like that's that's pretty rare so i would keep that in mind when we're talking about this card but with that said can i move on to the uh our first our first white card yeah go for it so uh we're gonna go through the planeswalkers first so this first one is oh man uh, she's an angel now it's archangel elspeth um archangel elspeth is a four loyalty Four mana planeswalker, so two white white with three abilities. Plus one, create a one one white soldier creature token with lifelink. Minus two, put two plus one plus one counters on target creature. It becomes an angel in addition to its other types and gains flying. And minus six, return all non land permanent cards with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So big little guy reanimation. Um, but you gotta, it's, Three turns from when you cast her. The minus two is like not the best. This looks like a standard card to me. So the first two abilities are kind of blanks in Commander. And the the kind of deck that can enable a Planeswalker to get their ultimate easily um, isn't going to be running a ton of like low mana value targets for it to return. Like So, you know, even if you're have a super friends deck with like a doubling season or an attraction in the command zone, something like that. Um, most of your permanents are just going to be like so expensive that Archangel Elspeth's ult wouldn't even do anything. Um, so yeah, I'm not really high on this commander. I agree. I think it's just a standard card. The next yeah. one's interesting though. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to read it off? Sure. So the next card is, Chandra Hope's Beacon. It is four red red for a five loyalty legendary planeswalker, Chandra. She has the static ability. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. This ability triggers only once each turn. She also has plus two, add two mana in any combination of colors. Plus one, exile the top five cards of your library. Until the end of your next turn, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from among the exiled cards. And then minus X, Chandra Hope's Beacon deals X damage to each of up to two targets. So I think this is a really interesting uh, Planeswalker. I think it's better in Commander than most, uh, largely because it just has this um, this like static effect. I'm pretty sure we've seen this on like a red enchantment before. Yeah, that? yeah, it's I can't remember what it's called, but I play it a lot. So I should actually know. 
I should remember, but I'll look it up while you're you're talking about it. Okay. Um. So, and I really like that she sort of refunds some of the mana that you spent to cast her. So, like the the net cost for her is only four. Um. So I could see you like easily, you know, casting her for six, plusing to casting some sort of cheap removal spell, hitting two targets. I I feel like that. I feel like that seems like a pretty good, pretty easy thing to achieve and like pretty decent use for her. Um, I think that being able to do something like that is going to make it a lot easier to protect her. And once you do untap with her and have like all your mana at your disposal, the idea of like um, playing not only something cool on your turn in a blue color identity, like, getting an, a trigger like this for an extra turn spell of course, is of course insane. Um, but even just like casting a draw spell on your turn and then casting like some instant speed removal on your opponent's turns and doubling that up uh, just seems very good. And it, because the, the static ability on this card is so, and of course like she's going to have like seven loyalty if you plus two, assuming you plus two her immediately. Mm-hmm. So I think she's a lot better than, at protecting herself than most Planeswalkers. I think that if you can protect her, the reward seems pretty good, especially if you've got a lot of instant speed, cheap removal that you can space out across your opponent's turns. Um, and the plus one seems pretty likely to hit. I mean, you'll be able to use the, the hypergeometric calculator to figure out um, exactly what you need to be running for the hit rate to be decent. Um, I think, let's see. But in a spell slinger deck, you know, I'd say you're running, you're probably running like at least, you know, 25 instants and sorceries, right? Probably yeah. more than that. So if you're running like 24 instants and sorceries, that's a 75, almost 76% chance of hitting. So that's, that can be kind of your, your metric for determining like how good that plus one ability is going to be for you. Um, but I just, i like a lot of what this commander is, or this commander, this planeswalker is doing. Um, what do you think about it? No, I agree. So the card I was thinking of that is in actively in three or more of my decks right now is double vision. So it's a red enchantment costs five mana, three red, red, and just is that text. Whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, copy it. You mean choose new targets for the copy. Um, I think the fact that that is tied to a six mana planeswalker that you're going to continue to get value from is wild. So, um, often double vision, I feel like, works out for me the way people want like swarm intelligence to because you don't usually get to cast that many cards with the swarm intelligence out. So, like, you drop a double vision, you cast a bunch of cards on everybody's turns instead, it works out pretty good. Uh, so you already kind of mentioned that use case, but I always loved like the the RR mode for Chandra, uh, Torch of Defiance, and this is just a more powerful six mana version of it. And the fact that it helps you splash, um, super cool. The fact that it can like blow up two things if you need it. The fact that you can like look for a card if you want it. Like this kind of does everything you want and. Uh, this just goes into the pile of six mana Chandra's that are playable in Commander. <laughs> they pretty much hit the nail on the head in that in that camp now. 
Yeah, so pretty good Planeswalker, all in all. Um, let's move on to the third Planeswalker in the set. Uh, this is Ren and Realmbreaker. Um, it's one green green for a four loyalty legendary Planeswalker Ren. He has the static ability. Lands you control have tap, add one mana of any color. He has plus one, up to one target land you control becomes a 3-3 elemental creature with vigilance, hexproof, and haste until your next turn. It's still a land. Minus two, mill three cards. You may put a permanent card from among the milled cards into your hand. And minus seven, you get an emblem with, you may play lands and cast permanent spells from your graveyard. Um, so I actually think this could be a decent card for Super Friends builds. Um, a lot of them tend to have like pretty expansive color identities. You know, there's a lot of four and five color Planeswalker builds. Um, and this Planeswalker not only fixes your mana pretty well, um, but, you know, if you are devoting like a significant portion of your deck to Planeswalkers, uh, then the hit rate on the minus two is probably pretty good. If you don't hit a land, you'll probably hit a Planeswalker. Um, the plus one is a blank, but that's fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and if you, uh, and if you happen to have like proliferation effects or a doubling season, you know, Vorin Clex 2.0, something similar, um, this can ult on immediately. And, uh, the, the crucible mode is nice, but also just being able to like cast your dead planeswalkers out of your graveyard seems incredibly oppressive, um, in a super friends build. So yeah. I, I, I like this planeswalker in that context are there any other decks you think it could be good yeah i was thinking about like the plus one because the the other modes are pretty mid um like they're fine they're whatever but there are decks that i have played in the past that basically were combo decks where animating a land uh, to combo off with like your land taps for more mana and you make it a guy and then you combo like that works pretty well with Ren and Realm Breaker here, um, but that's a very particular archetype. Like that's, uh, uh, I've done that in a version of Jorail Empress of Beasts. I've done that, um, Eryxmethes, the big guy. I was doing a bunch of tap on tap stuff um, on Cockatrice, and my friends got mad at me, so I took that. <laughs> I don't play that deck anymore. <laughs> but um, it was it's fun. I. I I'm excited. I was really worried that they made another three mana uh, planeswalker that was going to be really hard to interact with. But um, this is fine. You know, this is for commander and it, as what we're talking about. She's I already said mid, but she's pretty mid. She's just if you want her, you'll want her. Uh, like you said, she's good in five color as long as you can hit the two green. And if you don't, you don't. And I'm happy with planeswalker staying that way. Uh, just a quick question. Help me understand the the untap stuff you were talking about. Oh, I just had a deck that would like um, abuse, uh, like, uh, what is it? Gauntlet of uh, illusory gauntlet. Is that what it is? I'm having a bad card name day today. Um, where you put, you copy activated abilities, um, or like rings oh, of bright hearth and stuff like that. So illusionist basically, bracers, the, I think. Yeah, Illusionist Bracers, there you go. So you'd, you'd get like Illusionist Bracers, or you'd get uh, Rings of Bright Hearth, or you'd get the um, the other one. It's, it's, is it green? I can't remember off the top of my head. No. 
but um and then you would make mana with a guy um and then untap it and the guy that untapped your land and then like go infinite that way um uh, gotcha a lot of like infinite Kraj lists did that and like I was always sneaky about it because you'd play things that look like pretty normal, like a uh, mana reflection or um, heartbeat of spring or, you know, something that like, you know, okay, this deck, it seems reasonable to play that. And then you animate a land and combo off and people don't see it coming. Ah, <laughs> so, uh, gotcha. Okay. Very yeah. Cool. So, so that's kind of what my mind thought about here. This very, very niche, like particular archetype of, green combo deck <laughs> where you have uh untapped combos and you need because uh, because this in particular like tapping for one of any color is uh awesome like if you can mm. get a land that does that then uh heck yeah and she kind of does both parts of that for you because um, often you're like missing a blue or you're missing uh you have like infinite green but not infinite something else and you can it makes it harder on you but this would not but i've talked too long about that <laughs> no because, worries um, uh, yeah let's, let's get move into, on to our white cards absolutely yeah this first one can i read it off yeah go for it yeah so this is uh <laughs> this is a common from the set so this is alabaster host intercessor um so alabaster host intercessor is a six mana three four phyrexian samurai um and they have when alabaster host intercessor enters the battlefield exile target creature and opponent controls until this card leaves the battlefield so they're an o-ring creature for six but wait there's more they also have plane cycling too um so just nudge nudge wink wink plane cycling any of the land cycling you can get non-basic lands of that type uh nudge nudge wink wink so um yeah this is pretty wild for a common yeah i would say um so this is, card is not amazing, but, and it would be probably unplayable if it did not have plane cycling, but this is just, this card just kind of like tripped some alarms for me, um, because like as white gets more uh, reanimation spells, I'm uh, constantly on the lookout for cards that like naturally synergize with that kind of strategy. Um White's kind of at a disadvantage relative to uh, some other colors, like especially black, but even like red, in that its reanimation doesn't, um, like it doesn't have the tools to make its reanimation especially good. Like in black, you have sacrifice outlets, so you can get your guys into the yard, uh, and so you can reanimate them later. That's good for like making loops and just constantly like uh, farming the abilities on your creatures um you know black also has some good discard outlets well and those discard outlets make it so that you can get like a really expensive creature into the yard early and then reanimate it for cheap and then you just get like a big mana discount so white doesn't really have good sacrifice outlets or discard outlets so it's it's mass reanimation is sort of just like a glorified ghost way in that like well your creatures kind of have to die naturally and then you just bring them back like it's it's a way to like kind of undo your opponent's mass removal or just like maybe get value in the late late game when all your guys have like died in in fair ways like in combat or to removal or whatever 
Um, but the the one thing that like white does have or that all colors have access to are creatures that can discard them or that have their own mechanism for getting themselves into your graveyard from your hand. So uh, the the best example of this is like Angel of the Ruins, which also has plane cycling, but it's like, you know, a 5-5 five, five flyer and it comes into play, you exile up to two target artifacts and enchantments. Similarly, like Radiant Solar could discard itself from your hand and it has this neat ability where like all your non-tokens that enter help you venture into the dungeon so you can kind of get some value there. I, I mean, this is like not the strongest card, but it's a card with plane cycling that you can use in the early game. Um, and then I, I certainly don't want to pay six mana for this ability, but if it's just kind of like a freebie as I'm casting my storm of souls in the late game, then it becomes a lot more appealing. So it's certainly not amazing. And I wouldn't run it in color identities that had access to in like that. I wouldn't run it in color identities that had access to better like discard outlets or sacrifice outlets, but in like if there's a mono white like reanimator list, I'm thinking like Preston or something. Um, this mm-hmm. card is a good asset for those those decks. Yeah, and that's pretty much how I feel too. Like I saw the plane cycling and went, oh, cool. So at some point, we'll see what they have planned for us. But um, definitely uh, the coolest inset in limited and and out of the cycle because there's a cycle of a. Uh, basically in cycling cards. So can I read off this next card? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so this is Dusk Legion Duelist. This is a 2-2 vampire soldier with vigilance for 2 mana. Uh, They cost 1 and a white. They say whenever 1 or more plus 1 plus 1 counters are put on Dusk Legion Duelist, draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn. So this is... Kind of what I've been asking for in white stuff to do with plus one plus one counters. So I'm very excited about this. Um, yeah, I I, I want to hear what you got to say about it. Yeah, so I think uh, Lafiel, I believe it's her subtitle is like the Bounteous so. Dawn or something. Yeah, um, one of, they both they all have similar names. All the unicorns. Yeah. Uh, so Lafiel, um has this ability at the beginning of each end step, if you gained life this turn, distribute up to that many plus plus one counters among any number of other target creatures. Um, so if you just have like a soul sister effect, like that deck is running a million ways to gain a whole bunch of life every single turn. Um, so if you have Lathiel and like a soul sister effect or something similar, then this Dusk Legion duelist is likely to uh, get you like multiple cards per round of turns, which is a, a pretty solid deal for two mana. There's some other plus and plus one counter builds like, um, you know, there's other ways to do it, but I think that um, I'd want to make sure that my deck can consistently add at least one counter per round. If I'm drawing less than one card per round of turns then this card doesn't really seem worth it, even for two mana. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I feel the same way. I mean, I think that there are. Mm, actually, I'm going to come down a little bit. I think if you can draw two cards per round of turns, this card is is worth it. Like if you can get one on your turn and one on someone else's turn, then I'm probably down. But even if I can't do it on every single person's turn, because like it's two mana, 
<laughs> like mm-hmm. you're going to come out ahead of people so quickly and also it's going to block for you. It's going to attack for you. So I think if I can get two cards a turn out of this, I'm absolutely going to include it in a deck. Um, but yeah, this is awesome. I just, how about I, one card a turn? Would you, would you run it if you were guaranteed to get one card a turn out of it? I just a howling mind for myself. Um, or just like I, a you know Phyrexian Arena for two mana. Yeah, I mean, because it's two mana, it's it's reanimatable in white. I, I think I actually am just running this if I'm playing plus one plus one counters, because hmm. it's not. It's yeah, it's just basically yeah, Phyrexian Arena or Howling Mind for two. In that case, you know, like you're. Like you could do worse for two man. <laughs> like if this, if you pay two and then you get cards, card or cards for the next like three turns, like that's a crazy investment for a white deck. You know, like that's that's not anything white has seen, and it's slow. But like most decks aren't going turbo fast starting turn two, especially in casual commander. So. And you, once you get up to the point where you can draw multi, like three cards in a round, then it's obviously going to be really good. But I, I think, I think I'm just going to jam this. Yeah, seems like a solid card for sure. Um, especially, yeah, that it's such like low opportunity cost when it already starts off that cheap. Yeah, that's kind of like we've convinced myself of the even though I like help write these show notes for this card because <laughs> basically like I this is one of the cards I'm glad it's in a set because uh more of them will be opened and hopefully it's just something cuz they print the plus 1 plus 1 counter precon like once a year at this point. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. really just hoping this makes it in to that precon uh for commander decks whenever they do that from here on out. Like I really don't want this card to be expensive and i'm worried that it might be so let's yeah more on that when we uh get to our pre-con review for march of the machine yeah <laughs> uh but yeah, do you want to keep let's, on moving? yeah let's let's do the next card it is essence of orthodoxy three white white for a three three creature phyrexian with flying whenever essence of orthodoxy or another phyrexian enters the battlefield under your control incubate two uh so incubate uh for those who aren't familiar with it, creates an incubator token uh, with two plus and plus one counters on it, and it has pay to transform this artifact. It transforms into a zero zero Phyrexian artifact creature. So it starts off as a non creature artifact with however many counters, and you pay two mana and becomes a creature. So uh, I would say that like most commander decks don't need mana sinks um especially like non-green decks are way yeah more, are like yeah <laughs> they're thirsty they're, they they need it <laughs> they're more often to be pinched on mana than you are on cards um and for that reason like i'm I'm not super high on incubate in commander i think it's fun in limited because you do and are more you are more likely to end up in top deck mode in a limited format um but in Commander, you just have so much card flow that like spending a significant amount of tempo just to make your tokens into creatures is kind of annoying. Um, also, like there are not that many decks that have a high that naturally have a high enough density of Phyrexians that they really want to be uh, that they really want to be running this card. Yeah, and 
like the closest thing is maybe I mean one of the precon commanders. Um but even that deck is like already making a bunch of incubate tokens and neither of them have like good ways to or that deck doesn't really have there's not a ton of ways to like cheat the costs on your incubate tokens. Um I just feel like these, you know, you can put this in your like Brimaz deck. Um but you're just going to be like flooded with a bunch of useless tokens that yeah. you can't that <laughs> yeah, you can't afford artifacts. to flip. Yeah, they're just going to be buried. Anyway, um that's like my initial impression. There's this is certainly not going to go into a whole lot of decks. Um Yeah, I no, I I 100% agree with that. I think like cuz the I really don't like most of the incubate cards that we are we got in the set. Um, there, there's like one exception which we'll talk about later. But this is definitely why it's because like I'm not gonna pay two to like turn my object into a two two. So like I'm gonna want something to do with an object just sitting there. You know. Um, the only deck I could think of that wanted that was Malkator, so the white blue commander that we just got. Um because mm-hmm. so what he's doing, so he's a three mana one one. <laughs> the type line is wild. Legendary creature Phyrexian Elephant Wizard. Um so when he enters the battlefield, you create a three three Phyrexian Golem artifact creature token. Um and at the beginning of your end step, if three or more artifacts enter the battlefield under your control this turn, you create a three three colorless Phyrexian Golem artifact creature token. So kind of the the whole idea of Malkator is to get buried in stuff and then um March of the Machines is a thing I've seen people do with that deck. Um and there's the Rise and Shine, there's like a few of those. So that in that instance you're running Phyrexians, the splicers are all Phyrexians that make a Phyrexian or more. Um it's not hard to get um, him to trigger, which gets you more incubate tokens. So you just kind of flood the board and win that way. Um, if that sounds fun, I would do it. But that's literally like, I cannot think of a deck that is just casting that many Phyrexians and also wants that many stupid objects, you know? Yeah, it's, I feel it's like... a weird ask. <laughs> yeah, I feel like with Malkator, like, even that deck doesn't seem like super dense on phyrexians because you know any mm-hmm. artifact will will do yeah, get you for the, his purposes golem, yeah. yeah i don't know and then like of course the the infect decks run a bunch of phyrexians they're like one of the few archetypes that naturally have a bunch but they just don't care about these stupid yeah. incubators yeah there's yeah. no reason to to run them like what's the point <laughs> so mm-hmm. So, oh well, um, that's kind of how I feel about this. Um, but can I read off this next one? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so this one's um, pretty cool. So this is Fire Main Commando. This is a 4-3 Angel Soldier for 4 mana, a 3 and a white. So Fire Main Commando has flying. It's an angel. Uh, and Fire Main Commando also has whenever you attack with two or more creatures, draw a card. And whenever another player attacks with two or more creatures, they draw a card if none of those creatures attacked you. So I think that's pretty funny. Um, I will let you get to it because I know you feel strongly about this. <laughs> um, if it was just the first 
ability, the first trigger on this card, I'd be a lot more interested in it. Um, and in fact, there is a, a really, really similar effect in one of the pre-cons. Um, so we'll be talking more about that in our next episode. Um, but man, I do not like this last ability. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you are, you do get to like divert attacks. Um, but just the fact that you're giving away like so many cards per round of turns, like you're potentially giving away three cards per round of turns. Um, I don't, I, but that's what makes it a white card. <laughs> no, but the thing is like, if you're, that's if your deck color. is, yeah, I know, I know. But yeah, if your deck yeah, is yeah. like, is set up to like have creatures that can attack and like consistently farm the first trigger, then you've got enough board presence that like attacking you is already not that palatable. So the, this, the last ability like might not be doing anything. Um, the you might just be like giving cards away to people who are already like not that keen to attack the guy who's just like running a bunch of attackers so he can get his like military intelligence style triggers um i'm not crazy about this um i i'm much more high on just like the the card in the precon we'll talk more about it later um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not into this card. You tell me what you think. Yeah. So I, I think at one point in time I would have agreed more with you, but these cards that like have been giving things away in ways like this. So, so there was a point in time in like commander legends, 2020 era where, um, like Strixhaven did this really bad where like, they would just give your opponents things full stop. There was no caveat. There was no, like, as long as you sign on the line, it was just like, here's some stuff. And it's like, that sucks, right? Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I, I want to develop my board, especially in white, and, like, draw cards, especially in white. Um, but these ones where you kind of do have to think about it, like, it, it never ends up being that bad where you're giving away three cards a turn, usually somebody can do it. And it, what it does is it also like uh, goobers up combat math where they go, oh, I really want to attack you, but then I don't get a card, um, which you can use to your advantage. And, and really like where I come down on cards like this now is that um, it's kind of like wheels where they let you enact your game plan without getting in the way of what you want to do. So like, even though you are giving away cards, like, you're kind of the one with the agency more so than other people. Um, if you're in mono white, not necessarily, but this is an angel. This works in like Boros. This uh, refills your hand. A lot of like Boros decks in particular need more card draw. So I, I'm higher on it than you. I know it's, it is giving away cards, but I feel like in a way that doesn't like disgust me in a way where like I, no, I'm still going to be able to take advantage of it more than my opponents will. Cause like they do have to do the thing I want, which is like attack that person. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like let's kill that person. And then, uh, now we're all up cards, but I've been able to focus on attacking you and stuff like that. Cause this is a really proactive card. It's like a four, four flying for four, you know, or a four, three flyer for four. So 
it it makes it easy to get the trigger for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say one last thing, and then we can move on to the next card, which yeah, is sure. just that, like, in general, my bias is like way more towards paying life to gain cards rather mm-hmm. than giving away cards to protect my life total. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, life is is meant to be spent in my book but um <laughs> especially when there's 40 of it yeah yeah um but we can move on next card is guardian of Giraper. it's two and a white for a three three creature angel with flying when it enters the battlefield exile up to one other target creature or artifact you control return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step so notably uh this card creates a loop with yorion so with this and Yorion, you can just kind of blink your blink like any number of permanents you control every other turn. Um, like one of them is always going back into exile and then coming in on the next end step. And so there's already like a, a lot of cards like this, um, but just increasing the density of these effects so you can always get that Yorion loop going um, seems pretty good. You can also set up these kinds of loops in Ranar Ever Watchful. Is that what his subtitle is? Yeah, um, that's what it is. So, with Ranar, um, he has the ability... Oh, God, I gotta look at the errata on this. Oh, um, I got you, I got you. Oh, no, never mind. I don't got you. Uh, I'm on either track. <laughs> okay. Uh, whenever one or more cards are put into exile from your hand or a spell or ability you control exiles one or more permanents from the battlefield, create a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying. So... If you have like a Guardian of Giraper and like a Charming Prince or a Flicker Wisp, any any similar card, just like a creature that ETBs and blinks stuff, um, you can set up a loop with Ranar where you are able to get like a spirit, at least one spirit every um, turn in a round of turns. So that seems pretty good. Um, you can also think about it in like. Elishnorn 2.0 and Preston decks, both of them like things being blinked. Um, they'll give you like more value when you blink your Solitude or whatever, or your Skyclave Apparition. So I think this is yeah, just a, a good, useful card for blinky style decks. Yeah, I, I don't really have much to add. I think that hits the nail on the head. It's pretty cool. Um, and with that said, can I read off this next battle? Yeah, go for it. So this is Invasion of Dominaria. So this is a battle siege. Invasion of Dominaria costs three, two and a white. Uh, so blah, 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 pick an opponent, all that stuff. Uh, when Invasion of Dominaria enters the battlefield, you gain four life and draw a card. It has five defense. And if you can get rid of that five defense, it turns into Sarah Faithkeeper, which is a... 4-4 Flying Vigilance. It's an angel. Um, so, yeah. What do you think about Invasion of Dominaria? Uh, I like it. Five is a bit more... is is like a, a decent amount of defense. Um, but I kind of like it in a Giada deck. Giada is able to create like really beefy angels really quickly. Um, and this is like, you know, it's essentially a three mana Sarah Angel that cantrips and gains you four life. So pretty solid deal, uh, provided you are able to get the power together to hit it. And of course, like Giada decks, everything has evasion. So you are 
you know, if you have like two creatures, you can probably flip this. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I like it in, in angel lists. Is there any other decks where you think it'd be worth running? Yeah. And I, I thought about this mostly because, um, I played against ones fairly recently, but a, um, Brago list that I played against, I, it was basically running like most cantrip objects. And the fact that this enters the battlefield and cantrips and gains four life, um, is going to be like a huge buffer. Uh, you could flip it if you want, but like, why bother? So I think that's somewhere where we're going to see stuff like this. Maybe Yorion, you know, where it enters and um, you just keep drawing a card and you keep gaining four life. And it's just another one of these baubles that kind of adds to the game plan. So that was where I was thinking about this guy. I, it's funny because, yeah, I, I would probably want to flip it in Giada, but I don't know if I would want to flip it anywhere else. <laughs> like a Sarah Angel's like good, but it's not like have my opponent gain five life good necessarily <laughs> so. yeah th- there are some battles we'll talk about later that are in color identities that can do more stuff with creatures um yeah. where i think it's better to flip them just so you can get them in the creature mode so you can mess around with them a bit more mm-hmm. um and that might be the case even in your like blinky lists there's you know um maybe not brago or yorion but Wow. Some other, yeah, some other white. Yeah, yeah, thing, like yeah. a rune or something where you might play a battle just with the intent of flipping it and then um, transforming it back into the battle so you get the ETB again, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, all right. Um, uh, yeah, moving do you want on to, to another. Yeah, I'll do it. Uh, Invasion of Gobicon is one in a white, so two mana for a battle siege. When it enters the battlefield, look at target opponent's hand. You may exile a non-land card from it. For as long as that card remains exiled, its owners may play it. Or, sorry, its owner may play it. As spell cast this way costs two more to cast. So it's kind of the like elite spellbinder uh, Paolo ability. Um, and then the it has three defense, and if you can deal three to it, then the back half is light shield array. It's an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, put a plus plus one counter on each creature that attacked this turn. And you can sacrifice Light Shield Array to give creatures you control hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. So for me, the most interesting part of this card is the sacrifice ability on Light Shield Array. Like this is uh it's a little bit of work to get to that point, but it's just like a heroic intervention um, that'll save your guys from like spot or mass removal. And I think the, the bar to getting to that point is, is not very difficult. I think it will be pretty easy for you to drop this for two mana, flip it the same turn, um, get the, get the counters for your guys that attacked, uh, and then just have this sitting on the board as a, a rattlesnake keeping your opponent from casting mass removal. I, I like this card a lot, actually. This is, uh, there's still, I don't think we have a critical mass of like really insane uh, white answers to mass removal. We've, we're getting more, um, but I think there's still room for cards like this one where, yeah, it takes a little bit of work, but the rate is just so good and it has all these other little bonuses on top of it. Yeah. Like 
the two mana, like making something cost two more, ah, I don't care that much. The the puzzle plus one counter on creatures that attack this turn, eh, it's okay. I normally like I'm not going out of my way to put that kind of effect in my deck, but just getting them as freebies, sure. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's kind of my take. I'm not gonna say too much more, but just the it's two mana. It's two mana for all of this. Like you're gonna be able to hit like the fact that you pick who you're giving this to also is pretty clutch and i think that's one of the reasons battles are probably going to be pretty good in commander like the person who like stumbled and only hit like missed their fourth land drop you can give this to them and then you don't have to even feel bad about attacking (laughs) you know you're Mm -hmm. like all right well i'm gonna like give this to you i'm gonna exile that card Uh, i'm gonna flip this immediately i'm gonna grow my guy it's so easy and it yeah so just a bargain um which uh, I was going to segue into this next one. This one is kind of a bargain. This is an uncommon when normally this is a rare effect, but can I read off the next card? Yeah, Joe, go for it. Yeah, so this is Phyrexian Sensor. Phyrexian Sensor is a 3-3 Phyrexian Wizard. It costs three mana, two and a white. Phyrexian Sensor says, each player can't cast more than one non-Phyrexian spell each turn. And non-Phyrexian creatures enter the battlefield tapped. Uh, so that's pretty wild. I feel like we, yeah, like I said, this is normally not an effect we see at Uncommon. Yeah, um, I'm, well, I don't normally run a lot of hate bears, but they are pretty popular. Um, and the closest like point of comparison to this card is probably Eidolon of Rhetoric. Um, so that's two and a white for a one four enchantment creature. Um, that has each player can't cast more than one spell each turn. So fairly similar. The body on this one is better. It doesn't get the benefit of like enchantment synergies, but it also is not vulnerable to enchantment removal. Um, and then it has this ability to like slow down your opponents and, and keep them from blocking initially. Um, so it just seems like it does a lot. And Eidolon of Rhetoric, sorry, I should have mentioned this, is in over 27,000 decks on EDH rec. So, comparable card, probably better in, in most ways. Um, and it, of course, like has extra benefit if you are playing one of the like three decks in the format with a high concentration of Phyrexian. But really, this just seems like a fine card if you're just doing the hate bear route. So, yeah, I'm, I could, I would definitely slam dunk this into a deck that was like really trying to get that hate bear thing i might i don't know much outside i I don't know much about like cedh but it's seems like this is good for those kind of staxy builds that are just trying to mess with your opponents um and yeah seems like a neat card any thoughts no i think you'd hit the nail on the head it's just pretty I like that it's a 3-3 three, three for 3. I know that's not a bear, you know, because most of the hate bears are bears. But being a little bit beefier is nice in this instance. It can actually stick around. It can actually brawl with things. So I'm I'm into this card. Um, and can I read off this next one? Go for it. So this is Seal from Existence. So this is a white enchantment. Uh, it also costs 3, but this time it's 1 white white. So Seal from Existence has Ward 3. So if you want to target it, you got to pay 3. 
And when Seal from Existence enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Seal from Existence leaves the battlefield. So basically a Banishing Light, but War 3. <laughs> yeah, this seems like a fairly easy upgrade. Unless you're doing like, I don't know, four or five color enchantments. Uh, I would just much rather run this. Uh, not much more to say about it. Yeah, it's, a, it's um, just strictly better. It's one of those unsexy upgrades we always talk about. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of not strictly better, do you want to get into this this uh, next one? Yeah, this is Sunfall. Three white-white for a sorcery. Exile all creatures. Incubate X, where X is the number of creatures exiled this way. Uh, and it's worth noting, this is actually like the cheapest exile all creatures effect without some kind of drawback. So. If your metagame runs a lot of recursion, I think this could be a fine addition to your white control deck. It's definitely not the best wrath. It's there are a lot of wraths I would put in my deck before this. Um, but if you're really going for uh, like a critical mass or just like a high density of board wipes, and you know, as we mentioned, you the the exile does extra work in your your metagame, then I would for sure run this card. Yeah, I, I think this is cool. Like, one of the things about white getting like a million different wraths is that none of them are particularly expensive or hard to pick up anymore. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of flavor to touch. So, like, if this, I really like Farewell, obviously, most people do, but sometimes you want something a little bit less hefty, or maybe you're like, I can't wait till turn six in my meta, or maybe you do have synergies with the artifact token. Um, there's a whole bunch of different reasons that you might want to run Sunfall over something else, but I do like that it exiles everything. Um, and I do like that it has a bunch of little knobs that you can kind of put, like it, it's going to fit into a deck you make at some point in time, probably, and you're going to be able to pick it up cheaply. So very excited about that. Um, which gets us to blue. So I guess, can I read off this first blue card? Yeah, I do it. So, uh, it's this is a but i laughed pretty hard when i saw this because like why did they why'd they do this but um this is chrome host seed shark which is a two four phyrexian shark for three mana two and a blue it has flying so and more sharks with flying of course um i think it's from ikoria right like it's got to be this is an ikorian phyrexianized oh yeah shark. for sure this is okay. um this is like the shark typhoon has been phyrexianized Oh, oh no. <laughs> the worst case scenario. Anyway, Chrome Host Seed Shark, uh, 2-4 Flyer for 3. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, Incubate X, where X is that spell's mana value. So, this one is interesting. Um, it actually is, like, if you're casting non-creature spells, you're going to end up with a bunch of these guys. And because you're in blue, you can actually do stuff with them. <laughs> so yeah, you want to get into some of that? For sure. So so getting a lot of like crappy artifacts is a lot more meaningful in a blue color identity than in a white color identity. So and and also just like casting non-creature spells is a lot easier to do and, and comes naturally to a lot more decks than like making Phyrexians enter the battlefield. So I, I like this card a lot more than the the essence of orthodoxy we were talking about earlier. Um, so a couple, com- uh, 
a couple commanders that come to mind uh, in terms of ones that can like really use these artifacts are like Galazeth. Galazeth gives your artifacts the ability to tap for mana that you can only spend on spells. Um, Urza 1.0, the the mono blue Urza, he allow he lets you tap your artifacts for blue mana. Um, Brutaclad can overwrite all your tokens and make them into better tokens, but they keep their plus plus one counters. Um, I was also thinking like Marnius Calgar. So I've got like a, a Marnius Calgar list that's all about it runs like you know Talrand and uh, like Murmuring Mystic and Poppet Stitcher and Sedgemore Witch. All these cards that just like give you. Uh, tokens when you cast spells and then the majority of the deck is just like cheap interaction so if you get one of these cards online including like chrome host seed shark works just great for the deck's purposes um, you can like i cast counter spell i trigger my chrome host seed shark it makes a token uh creating the token triggers marnius calgar i draw a card so just like all of my one for one spot removal counter spells whatever um replaces itself with a card which makes the deck incredibly annoying for your opponents yeah and uh anyway it seems like a great addition to that deck as well any any other thoughts about where you can run chrome host seed shark no i mean uh well actually i guess i do <laughs> i lied to everybody um this is definitely like an auto include in Brutoclad because like the incubate X means that they're not only going to be tokens of whatever you made, they're going to be big. Um, but also some partners might like this. So if you're in like a blue color identity with um, either like an Armix, which uh, can kill things based on the amount of artifacts you have, or Glacian, which draws cards. Uh, Keskit also draws cards by sacking things. Uh, Nadir, which basically gets guys whenever artifacts are like sacrificed or enter and stuff like that. Anyway, most of the tokens that work with, like, when the counters die, like, if you're having a Homeward Defense, I think, is the white card, or the Ozolith, you'll be able to store up those tokens for later, or the counters, the plus one, plus one counters, too. Um, So, yeah, there are some partner pairs that are going to want something like this, so that's kind of a tool in the holster. But yeah, being in blue makes Incubate a lot better, just in general. One one thing I will mention in terms of like partner pairs, well, I mean it's not quite a partner pair, but uh, Clan Crafter is a background that has oh, yeah, yeah. Command, commander creatures you you own have two sacrifice an artifact, put a plus almost one counter on this creature and draw a card. So this is just like a really easy source of sack fodder if you already have like a Clan Crafter deck. Yeah, um, which gets us to our next. Incubate card. <laughs> so this is Corruption of Tawashi. This is a five mana enchantment. So it costs four and a blue. It says when Corruption of Tawashi enters the battlefield, incubate four. So one of the bigger ones so far. Uh, what else does it do? It says whenever a permanent you control transforms or a permanent enters the battlefield under your control transformed, you may draw a card. Do this only once each turn. So this costs five, and uh, they still put a nerf on it, you know? I'm, yeah, I, I threw this card on the show notes just because, like, I found it so disappointing. Um, yeah, well, I think you're right. Like, I even in Limited, I don't think 
drawing like two cards in a turn because I corruption of Tawashi and didn't die, you know, like that doesn't seem crazy, you know? Yeah. It's just like, you know, kind of a five mana do nothing enchantment and it really doesn't need to limit me in so many ways. Um, I, I think like the easy point of comparison for this is like secret plans. Like if you're like committing to morphs is also difficult. Um, but secret plans cost two mana and does and lets you draw a card every time a permanent you control is turned face up. Um, so yeah, I just wish they had put more gas in this card. I would even be happy if they just like took off the incubate part if it meant I could get this for like two or three mana instead yeah. and not and do it as many times as I want. Yeah, and not have a secret seven mana four four that draws you a card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, well do you want to get into this next one? This next one is pretty pretty rad. Yeah, speaking of of cards where they put a lot of gas in it. Uh this is Fairy Mastermind. One in a blue for a 2/1 creature fairy rogue with flash and flying. Whenever an opponent draws their second card each turn, you draw a card and it has 3 in a blue, each player draws a card. Uh this seems like a staple to me. What are your thoughts? No, yeah, I feel the same way. It's a f- like flying man, basically, you know, two mana, two, 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 one flyer. Um, it has flash, so you can cast it whenever you want. Uh, but more importantly, you can gotcha. So like the first time you just absolutely draw a card off of him. Uh, so just love it. You know, it goes in a ton of decks. It's a fairy rogue for your prowl decks, your rogue decks. It's a, yeah awesome just so good (laughs) yeah i I think like it's not a card you need to play on turn two it probably is a little bit better as a gotcha later in the game because like you know the first couple turns i'm not trying to draw cards i'm trying to like build up my board or like get my mana right and and like maybe ramp a little bit but yeah later in the game just i love that you can um you know Hold up two mana, and maybe you have a counter spell. But if nobody casts any good creatures, toss this out there, and now I've got a card draw engine going. Um, so very cool card. I definitely I would expect this. Well, if you if you think this card's cool, we'll talk about it more when we get to our prediction episode. I'll say that much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. So I'm going to read off this next one. This is Invasion of Arcavios. So this is the Strixhaven Plane. Uh, Invasion of Arcavios costs five, three blue blue, and it has seven defense. It says when Invasion of Arcavios enters the battlefield, search your library, graveyard, and or outside the game for an instant or sorcery card you own, reveal it, put it into your hand. If you search your library this way, shuffle. So what do you get if you blow up the seven uh, defense counters on it? Uh, You get Invocation of the Founders, which is a blue enchantment. That says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand, you may copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So I've already mentioned the card, but this is basically Swarm Intelligence, uh, which does exactly that text, um, but different. So yeah, how do you feel about Invasion of Arcavios? Uh, I I like this card. Um, so in a in like a big mana blue deck maybe 
Um, I like the idea of so if you can get to ten mana, and maybe that's ridiculous. Um, but if you can get to ten <laughs> mana, uh, you know, you drop it, you go get like a time warp, um, you like attack it for a bunch, flip it, and then double up your time warp. It's just like in that case, it's a second copy of time stretch that um, like leaves you with a swarm intelligence on the battlefield. Pro- you know, provided you can, of course, deal seven to it. Um, also, like if you have ways to blink it, like in a Brago deck, you can set up. I, I mean, you can just like keep getting like extra turn effects until you've cleared your library out of them. Mm-hmm. Like, just dropping this, hitting it with Brago, and and having like just like I don't know, you can get like four turns in a row or something crazy. Um, yeah, <laughs> I I think it's a pretty neat card. Um, the I will say like the front half is expensive compared to like a a solve the equation. So if you can't yeah. find some way to like get value out of it immediately, or um. If you don't have, if your deck isn't built to just like get crazy amounts of mana, um, or if you're not able to like consistently deal enough damage to flip it, then maybe skip it and just put solve the equation instead. Yeah. I do think the allure of the backside, the invocation of the founders, like is pretty tempting. The only thing I really want to add to what you said, because I, everything you said is true, is that I love having more wish cards in the format at bare minimum because like hopefully this will drum up the masses to the fact that they're being deprived of something that every other format of magic gets to experience (laughs) and um i'm gonna say it here but it won't go into too much like if it was just you get three wishes it would fix it it'd be so easy you Mm -hmm. could do so much you could unban a bunch of cards it'd be great anyway wishes i love them um and let's get on to the next one can i read this one off yeah, go for it. So this is Invasion of Segovia. So uh, Segovia is one of the, I think, fan favorite planes. Uh, so this Invasion of Segovia costs three mana, two and a blue. Uh, it has four defense, and when Invasion of Segovia enters the battlefield, create two one-one blue Kraken creature tokens with Trample. Uh, yuck, yuck, yuck. Um, and if you flip it, if you can get rid of the four defense, turns into... Katus, right? Is that how we say that? Katus? I'll say Katus. Katus. Sea Tyrant of Segovia. So Katus Sea Tyrant of Segovia is a 3-3 legendary creature serpent that says non-creature spells you cast have Convoke, and at the beginning of your end step, untap up to four target creatures. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. that That's... Oh, so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I... Gotta say, it's kind of a shame that you can't run this as a commander because uh, this is like a really neat card. Um, like, I would love this to, to have this in my command zone. And actually, in a couple of weeks, um, maybe sometime like mid-May, we're going to be having a an episode on Rule Zero Commanders where we talk about a bunch of like double-faced cards where they have like legendary creatures on the back but not on the front. Um, so. I'll go more into detail then about like how you would build around Cadis. Um but it's just a powerful card. It would 
it's clearly going to do good work in the convoke precon. Um, where else do you think like this could be useful? Um. Oh, I really liked it in Kumena. So in particular, it's really incredibly easy to flip this card in Kumena because you just give him unblockable. Um, the tokens are good. You're going to have like a bunch of, of creatures anyway. So having some two tokens to help you cast spells is really good. Um, and then you're going to want to tap your guys a ton. So Kumena, Tyrant of Orozka. Sorry. Kumena, Tyrant of Orozka is a uh, two, four for three, one blue green for a legendary creature uh, merfolk something i'm not looking at the card so uh deal with it <laughs> but basically <laughs> you can tap creatures to do a bunch of stuff so you can tap one creature to give them unblockable you can tap a few creatures to draw a card you can tap a bunch of creatures to put plus one plus one counters on all your guys um so this not only helps you cast your more expensive maybe like cool things in these colors um because you get to tap your guys and you got two krakens to do it but also it untaps your guys so you can draw a card on your turn untap your team and then if you need to protect your guys or draw more cards you just are free to do that so that seemed really fun to me yeah and and one thing i just want to note like for any of those for any listeners who may be hopeful that you know the rules could get changed and we you could one day build around cadis like in a legal manner uh i actually asked sheldon about this and he said there's currently no plans of a, uh, for a rules change to allow the new battles with legendary creatures on the backside to be playable as commanders. So, sorry folks. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's not happening. Bummer city. Um, well, I guess can I read off this next card? Yeah, go for it. So this is Omenhawker. So Omenhawker is a 1-1 Cephalid Advisor for 1 mana. Just a single blue pip gets you a creature that can tap to add colorless and blue to your mana pool. Uh, spend this mana only to activate abilities. So for blue, you get a 1-1 one, one that has tap, add, colorless, blue. But you can only use it on activated abilities. Um, so this is awesome. <laughs> like, this is, in a lot of decks, this is basically just a better land or elves, you know? Like... Mm-hmm. Or, or not necessarily land or else because it's not ramping out your three drops, but like it, it's adding more mana than a lot of mana dorks in the right deck. Yeah, and there are a lot of decks uh, that can easily make use of their this mana. Like I'm thinking Thrasios, uh, although maybe I don't know if Thrasios is uh, most of those builds hurting. tend to be more competitive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but like Gretchen Tichwillow, um, Kinnon would loves this. Um, not only does Ginnon like have that activated ability that's really powerful, but he makes the Omenhawker add more mana. Um, Nin has that activated ability, lets you shoot things and and draw cards. Um, Tano's Solemn Survivor uh, has that activated ability that makes um, like token copies of artifacts in your graveyard. Uh, Knessos the Thing that like flips your top card and if it's a, a sea monster you put onto the battlefield so lots lots of cool commanders that i think can make use of this card i'm sure there's more that i'm leaving out um oh yeah like or maybe both. yeah yeah maybe in like cycling builds maybe um oh that's fun too yeah yeah 
but very cool card seems powerful and and but in a narrow way which is exactly how i like my commander cards mm-hmm. yeah absolutely uh speaking of <laughs> powerful in a narrow way <laughs> this next <laughs> card is transcendent message so this is a blue instant it costs x blue 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 so mana value of four with the x thrown in there has those four blue pips uh and it has convoke and what does it do draw x cards <laughs> <laughs> so yeah for the low low price of four blue and x you can draw x cards at instant speed um the convoke does change things though i think if you are running a deck with a ton of creatures this actually is gonna do a lot but you have to be one of those decks that's gonna have like way too many creatures and especially in blue um so yeah there's a few that if you want to get into them that that uh just kind of obviously off the top of the head this goes into pretty well yeah so like adric and nev and essex um both of the commanders in the blue green um strixhaven precon uh care about like making lots of tokens so it's it's naturally a good fit there. Brutaclad also really good at making tokens. Magnus the Red, um, there. I mean, it seems simple enough. If your deck is really good at getting a lot of guys on the battlefield and has a blue color identity, I think this is fairly easy inclusion. Um, like, it's certainly easier to get cards this way than through like a, a Biden of Thassa or Coastal Piracy. You don't have to worry about evasion or none of that. Um, just seems like a good card. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first time I've seen one of the blue X draw or the it's the first uh, draw X spell in blue that I've seen in a while because they just print them all the time. But it made me go, oh, yeah, I, I'd play that. <laughs> so very excited. Which gets us to black. So what's our first black card? All right. uh, The first black card is Corrupted Conviction. It's a single black mana for an instant. As additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature, draw two cards. So uh, it's clearly just like a village rights with a different name. Village rights is in 128,000 decks on EDH rec. So if you're in the market for that and you like have room for more in your deck this is an an easy slam dunk i don't have too much more to say about it yeah that i also don't have any more to say about it i just i can't believe that village rights is in that many decks you know Mm -hmm. like just so crazy (laughs) um this next card is uh, another phyrexian tribal guy so this is grafted butcher this is a 2-2 phyrexian samurai for two one and a black when Grafted Butcher enters the battlefield, Phyrexians you control gain menace until end of turn. Other Phyrexians you control get plus one, plus one. And three black sacrifice an artifact or creature. Return Grafted Butcher from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery. Uh, okay, uh, yeah, where do I put this this card? Where, <laughs> where, where am I putting them? Well, there's only like three decks with a bunch of Phyrexians in the format, so not too hard to figure out and he notably doesn't have anything to do with poison counters so that eliminates a couple of them i think it's literally just brimaz um but <laughs> and there you go easy yeah boom easy yeah the, the uh black phyrexian tribal commander <laughs> um 
So yeah, this next one is awesome. So this is Hoarding Broodlord. So Hoarding Broodlord is a dragon. Uh, it's a 7-6 flyer for 8 mana. So 5 black, black, black. But it has some more cool abilities. Uh, the first one is Convoke. So it doesn't really cost 8. It costs however much guys you got and lands you got. So that's pretty cool. And then it also has, when Hoarding Broodlord enters the battlefield, search your library for a card, exile it face down, then shuffle. For as long as that card remains exiled, you may play it. And spells you cast from exile have Convoke. So, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that both of those lines of text are wild. So the fact that you're getting a 7-6 flyer for really cheap, the fact that your 7-6 flyer has an ETB that tutors something up and puts it into exile. So you can cast it whenever it's protected from discard. And the fact that all of your stuff in exile has convoke all your impulse draw or cards that you stole or whatever. Like that's wild. That's so much stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The, the, the very best place to play this, I think would be, um, Tasha. So she's the Planeswalker commander um, that was released in the the Battle for Baldur's Gate. Um, So for those who aren't familiar with her, she's blue-black, five mana for a four loyalty Planeswalker. Whenever you cast a spell you don't own, create a 3-3 black demon creature token. She's got some loyalty abilities that don't really matter. But the point is, like, (laughs) her deck is all about, like, casting your opponent's things, often from exile. And she also like, and the reward for doing so is getting a bunch of guys. So your guys will help you then like convoke out the things you're casting from exile, which will get you more, more guys. It's just like a really sweet, like positive feedback loop there. Um, I, w- I will say that like, it's a little unfortunate that he exiles the thing. Cause like it, it kind of prevents some synergies in like Kalia or Satoru Umazawa um, just those commanders that cheat things into play because like what you oh, that's true yeah yeah with like a rune scarred demon you can always just like drop in rune scarred demon with kalia to get like an even more messed up like angel demon or dragon and then drop that in on your next turn but that's that's not possible here because the 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 card you're getting is in a zone where you can't just cheat it in no more so that's a little unfortunate but definitely seems like a powerful card um yeah any any other decks do you think this could be good in um i mean i think it's good in a decent amount i think you hit the nail on the head for a lot of them um we're gonna keep seeing more impulse draw stuff more impulse draw commanders um so it's gonna be good in any of those um so i'm just yeah this is just cool it's just good (laughs) i'm really excited to play with this card um, speaking of cards that are crazy, <laughs> this next one is absolutely insane. So this is Infernal Sovereign. Infernal Sovereign is a 6-6 six, six demon for 6 mana, 4 black black. Infernal Sovereign has Flying, Trample, Skip Your Draw Step, and whenever you play a land or cast a spell, you draw a card and lose a life. Oh boy, <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's a lot for a six drop. So yeah, what? How are you feeling about this guy? 
Uh, this card seems amazing. I've always been a big fan of Null Perfusion. And this gets rid of like the, the nastiest drawback of that card, which is that your maximum hand size is two. Um, yeah, this seems sweet. The the life loss. Uh, there are mm, more timid souls that that would intimidate, but I'm not so worried about that. Um, there's decks where you can fully negate that if you want to. Like if you run this in a shield red 2.0, or a Keza deck, the, the Esper commander, like uncommon from um, Streets of New Capenna. Both of those commanders like gain you life when you draw cards. So in this case, they would just like um, cancel it out. Or in the case of Shield Red, you would actually net life as you're casting spells. Um, but honestly, like if you're running this in a deck that's like kind of combo y, like a. Um, maybe like a crick deck or something um, with just like low curve and you plant, you have the ability to cast a lot of spells in one turn, then you can dig into something that'll like refill your life total. Like if you get to an ether flux reservoir, then you just don't care about the life loss anymore. You're definitely going to be outpacing it. Um, so yeah, v- very powerful card um, has a lot of potential in combo. We blacklists. Um, yeah, I-, I think it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely wild. Um, so this is is this our first black battle we're going to talk about? It yes, it might, it might be the only black battle we talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Invasion of Fiora. This is a, a four defense battle for six mana. So four black black. And uh, it does the battle thing. You give it to somebody to defend whatever. And then when Invasion of Fiora enters the battlefield, choose one or both. Destroy all legendary creatures destroy all non-legendary creatures um so six mana wrath four defense if you get rid of the four defense it turns into marchesa resolute monarch which is a human noble a legendary creature human noble uh with menace and death touch she's a three six whenever marchesa resolute monarch attacks remove all counters from up to one target permanent at the beginning of your upkeep, if you haven't been dealt combat damage since your last turn, you draw a card and you lose a life. So funny monarch throwback there. Um, this is awesome. This rules. <laughs> like this is really good. Yeah, yeah, and it's a rare. Like this is like the fact that like invasion of Ravnica is a mythic is like okay, you know whatever. It's colorless exile spell, but this is a rare like this is so good <laughs> yeah so i mean the fact that it's a permanent gives you some fun ways to play around it play around with it um so like if you have an amina 2 deck she is able to blink any permanent you own so it doesn't have to be like you know artifact creature enchantment so she can hit battles uh you can just play invasion wipe the board and then whenever you need to, you just wipe it again with Amina's Amina 2's ability. Uh, that seems awesome. And even outside of Amina 2, if you have a deck that can like consistently defeat the invasion, then like Liesa, Athreos, Marchesa, all of them are able to re- like reuse it once you get it flipped to the creature side. Um, so that could be another good way to just like get value and like marchesa especially you know all you have to do is get counters on your guys uh they'll survive the invasion 
and then you know they'll stick around long enough maybe on your next turn you can beat the invasion down get your marchesa uh, if you get a counter on Marchesa, you can sacrifice her, bring her back, wipe the board again. Just seems pretty strong. Um, so yeah, I I love this. I love, um, you know, permanence with powerful ETB abilities that you can fiddle around with. So this is a very cool card. Yeah, I don't really have much more to add. It's just crazy, and the Marchesa crazy. Like, not only does she draw you cards, she just straight up kills planeswalkers, flips your battles for you, like so good. So uh this next one I put on here, that this is a cycle of cards in the set, or but not in the set really. They're uh from the commander decks, but in the set boosters only. Um and they all enchant a planeswalker. So this is Liliana's talent, is the one we're gonna talk about. Um so it's black black, so two mana. For an enchantment aura that enchants a planeswalker. And they all give a planeswalker a loyalty ability and then do another thing. And uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this one was because this is one of the only good ones. So, Enchanted Planeswalker has minus eight, put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. Uh, so, just Rise of the Dark Realms for, for two mana sometimes. And uh, no big. And then whenever a creature deals damage to Enchanted Planeswalker, destroy that creature. So probably going to not happen that often. Mm -hmm. But um, it is very often that I am playing against a Lord Windgrace or uh, Devish Zot or um, Aminato and they have way more than eight loyalty just by doing the thing they're doing. Um, Because a lot of the commanders that are Planeswalkers um, don't have really impressive ults. Like the ults can do something and often will, but like people can kind of sit on them and use them when they want because there's no reason to do them. Like you're just going to be going between the plus and minus on Lord Windgrace most of the time anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that this is basically a two mana rise from the dark, dark realms in those decks, uh, I think is very notable. Uh, the other ones are not quite as good. Uh, I would advise you to look them up yourself if you're interested, if you have a Super Friends deck. Um, most of them don't do anything super crazy, but this one in particular, um, like I said, it's a two mana rise from the Dark Realms, <laughs> which is a lot less than that card should be. So uh, that, assuming you just drop it and pop the minus eight you know, immediately, which probably shouldn't be too hard. Um, that said, I don't know if you want to add to that or if you want to keep on moving. No, I'm happy to keep moving. I think you covered it well. Uh, let's move on to the last black card. This is Pile On. It's three and a black for an instant with Convoke, and it has Destroy Target Creature or Planeswalker, Surveil 2. So, fortunately, we have like a really easy point of comparison for this card. Um, Lethal Scheme is another like four mana kill spell with Convoke that got printed in the uh, Streets of Nukapenna precons. Um, the the main difference is that uh, with lethal with lethal with lethal scheme, um, each creature that convoked it connives, whereas this one you're surveilling, but kind of the same. Like you're you're getting some sort of like card selection in either case. Um, 
Lethal Scheme hasn't seen a ton of adoption on EDHREC a year after its release. It's in about 8.6 thousand decks on EDHREC. Um, so I think the community is like mostly forgotten about it. But maybe, maybe the fact that this is like in a premiere set rather than a random card in a precon, maybe this will get more visibility. Yeah. Maybe it'll see more adoption. I do also want to say. Yeah, yeah, and something that Lethal Scheme had going against it. So I had this pre-con, but uh, I did not buy more of these at the time because they were artificially inflated. So mm-hmm. I think what what might have happened was what happened to me, where I saw Lethal Scheme was $20 and went, <laughs> no, and then just didn't think about it again. <laughs> so, well, now they're $3, so maybe it's the time mm-hmm. to pick them up. It's true. Um but yeah, but anyway, Pylon, I'm super excited about. And yeah, yeah uh, there's a lot of black decks that can make good use of it, like um, the Lease, Marnius Calgar, Chatterfang, maybe. Um, it's oh, like yeah, a lot. Chatterfang. Yeah, there's just a ton of like black X commanders that make lots of lots of tokens. Yeah, um, the big dragon Belladross. The oh yeah, yeah, a bunch of them. Anyway, uh, we're in the red cards now, and this first one is just so crazy. <laughs> this is City on Fire. So it's a red enchantment, costs eight mana, five red, red, red. City on Fire has Convoke, so your little guys can help you out. And if a source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals triple that damage instead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, more. More so, this is fiery intervention or uh, emancipation. Uh, sorry, fiery emancipation. Yes, um, which is a six mana mythic enchantment from a core set. I'm pretty sure. Um, mm-hmm. and he has an M21. Yeah, M21. Uh, that does this exact same thing. Uh, it just doesn't have convoke. So, this is also a rare. You're probably going to be able to get them. Hopefully, question mark. Hopefully. Um, yeah, this heck yeah, <laughs> so good. Basically, like any red deck that's dealing damage to things, this is this is what you want. You know, like your Torbrands, your whatever's your tokens are dealing triple damage. Your spells are dealing triple damage. Your uh, Perforos triggers are triple damage. Like, just you just want to play this card if you're in most red decks yeah um obviously there's a preference for like token builds that um, mm-hmm. that can like easily convoke it out um like Zurzoth chaos rider seems like a pretty oh, good fit for it yeah uh, really fi- good yeah like 50 percent of those decks are already running fiery emancipation and you know, Zerzoth is really good at clogging up the board with a bunch of devil tokens. So that could be a good option. Um, I think uh, Torbrand lists, I think they also, some of those have token builds. Um, so that might also be a good place for it. But yeah, seems like a, a sweet card. I mean, eight mana is crazy, but um, you know, if your deck is built in such a way that you're already clogging the, the battlefield, then this could present a discount for you yeah yeah if you're gonna have some guys which doesn't seem like too big of an ask like this is probably just gonna cast 
cost like five or six, which is exactly what Fire Emancipation costs. Mm-hmm. And that card rules. So yeah, very excited. I love having more of this. Um, and that gets us to the next card. Do you want to read this one off? Yeah. So this is um, Into the Fire. It's two and a red for a sorcery. Choose one. Into the Fire deals two damage to each creature, planeswalker, and battle. Or put any number of cards from your hand on the bottom of your library, then draw that many cards plus one. So I'm a big fan of modal spells. Uh, one of these modes is just like pretty good card selection. Just get to, you know, re-roll on as many of the cards in your hand as you want. And the other mode can clear out like weenies and utility creatures. Um, and like worst case scenario, you can always just do it, like put zero cards back and just cycle it for three mana. So I, I think this is just like a very versatile spell. Um, I'm happy to like, I'm just happy to run this in my mono red deck. And yeah. I think it's always going to do something. Yeah. So it's kind of a joke. Uh, there's a the first like meta game like playgroup I was in uh, like when I started playing again. There's a joke that was like, "I wish I had a pyroclasm." Um, it's casual multiplayer like pre commander time period um, where you just look at a board and you're like, "Man, if I had a pyroclasm, I wouldn't be dead." And now that's just <laughs> you just don't have to. You can just play into the fire. And it's always going to be good. So I'm down. I'm in. Um, yeah. There's a couple, or there's honestly like a lot of red, I mean, not quite staples, but just like useful cards in this set. It's it's actually like real, I think red made out like a bandit, but. Oh yeah. We're going to get into like my favorite one <laughs> like next to, <laughs> can I read this one off? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So this is, and it's a battle to boot. So this is Invasion of Kaldheim. Um, I would I, I loved Kaldheim so much I should have known that I'd like the Invasion of Kaldheim. But it's a four mana battle, three and a red. Uh, it has four defense. When Invasion of Kaldheim enters the battlefield, exile all cards from your hand, then draw that many cards. Until the end of your next turn, you may play cards exiled that way. Uh, so then if you can get rid of the four defense, it turns into Pyre of the World Tree which is a red enchantment, says discard a land card. Pyre of the World Tree deals two damage to any target. And whenever you discard a land card, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. So not only are you just shocking stuff, your impulse draw shocking stuff, and you don't even have to discard them to the the uh, the triple red enchantment. What, what am I thinking of? Seismic Assault, like activated ability. You can just discard him. You can just like thrill a possibility in your end step. Oh, there's an extra card. That's wild. <laughs> so much value on this card. Yeah, uh, I am a huge fan of this card. Like, I would honestly, I'm pretty close to just like playing it for the first half in a couple decks. Like, I would strongly consider this in like a, a Prosper deck. But then, like the the fact that it has a second half that generates even more value, like you know, turn a single land into potentially multiple cards. Like, ugh, this is so good. This is so good. I'm a huge fan of this. Yeah, um, just 
Oh, so, so cool. And they keep, they've slowly been building up to this point when this could be something that Red was really good at. Like we got Tectonic Reformation in, I think it was, was it Modern Horizons 1 that that card was printed? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So Tectonic Reformation is a two mana red enchantment, one on a red. It says each land in your hand has cycling red. And also the enchantment can be cycled for two generic. Um, so that's just straight up like red draw a card, impulse draw a card, which is buck wild. Um, I'm going to seismic assault anyway. I love that card. And uh, yeah, the front half, huge. Uh, you have so much control over when you cast it. So not only are you going to draw basically a new hand, like you probably get to cast everything that was in your hand in the first place. So. <laughs> yeah crazy amount of value for a red card and i'm gonna stop talking about it because we can move on to the next one yes uh so next we have invasion of karsis it's two red red for a battle siege when it enters the battlefield it deals three damage to each creature and each planeswalker Uh, and then it has four uh defense and if you can flip it the reverse side is refraction elemental um, which is a 4-4 creature elemental with ward pay to life and whenever you cast a spell, Refraction Elemental deals two damage to each opponent. So uh, this seems very good in Sulfim Mayhem Dominus. Um, so Sulfim Mayhem Dominus is going to double up the damage to your opponents and uh, to their creatures. So it'll deal like six to all their stuff and only three to yours. And then once you get to the reverse side, Whenever you cast a spell, like Refraction LML deals two damage to each opponent, but Sulfim is going to double that. Uh, so you'll be dealing four to each opponent. Uh, so seems extremely powerful, um, not only in that list, but potentially other lists like it. Let me just check the wording on Torbrand really quick. Um, yeah, so Torbrand also works pretty well with this. He has four toughness, so he survives it. Um, and he like just adds two damage, so you're dealing five to all your opponents off the ETB and then four damage to each of them whenever you cast a spell. So very strong card in those types of decks. Very cool. I an, Another one where I'm just like, this is awesome because you're really not paying too much for the ETB ability on the front. Like you're maybe paying a little bit more than you would, but then you can end up with this really crazy win condition. So really cool. Um. I'm going to read off this next one. This is Invasion of Mercadia. So uh, (laughs) we're reading off a lot of battles. They pushed the battles really hard because it was the limited archetype. And uh, I've said this before on the podcast, but whenever they actually like support a limited archetype, you usually end up seeing those things appear in Commander. So we're talking about a lot more red battles because they actually push them to the point where you can play them in multiplayer and otherwise. So this is Invasion of Mercadia. It costs two mana, one in a red. It has four defense. When Invasion of Mercadia enters the battlefield, you may discard a card. If you do, draw two cards. And then if you can get rid of the four defense, what's on the backside? It is Chiron Flamerite, which is a 3-3 goblin spell shaper. Uh, and th- this Chiron Flamerite has an activated ability. Two red tap discard a card so three mana tap and discard a card create two one one 
blue and red elemental creature tokens. Creatures you control get plus one, plus zero, and gain haste until end of turn. So three mana, tap, discard a card, you get two, is it one ones, and your whole team gets plus one, plus oh, and haste until end of turn. So once again, this is absolutely wild amount of value for like two mana. You're you're paying two to get card selection, and then on the back you have a discard outlet and like a little baby overrun. It's just absolutely wild. So um, and and that's assuming you even want to try to flip it. Like I I don't even necessarily care if I can keep especially like flickering the front half of Invasion of Mercadia. That's so good. That's I I just want to do that all day. Yeah. The when we saw Bitter Reunion in the Brothers War, I was like really on board for it. Uh, really on board with it for a couple of reasons. Um, one being that like you can't get two for one by with by a counter spell like unlike you know thrill of possibility or tormenting voice where it's an additional cost to cast the spell like if they don't if they counter invasion of mercadia it's a one for one trade because it's only when it enters the battlefield that you have to discard the card um so love that they kept that going and then you know it's also neat that this similar to bitter union this also acts as like potentially a fervor effect um and it has you know a lot of things on top of that, like making tokens, buffing your guys, acting as a continuous discard outlet, like a the the fact that on future turns you can keep throwing things away in like your I don't know, your Felden deck or something. Um I'm I just really, really love this card. Um and I'm I'm for sure gonna jam it in my Felden list right away. So yeah, so this next one is another battle. It is Invasion of Tarkir. Um, so this is another two mana battle, uh, one in a red. When Invasion of Tarkir enters the battlefield, reveal any number of dragon cards from your hand. When you do, Invasion of Tarkir deals, deals X plus two damage to any other target, where X is the number of cards revealed this way. Uh, and then if you, oh, and it has five defense. So two mana, five defense, uh, dragons revealed to deal damage. Um, the backside is Defiant Thundermaw, which is a 4-4 flying trample dragon uh, that says whenever a dragon you control attacks, it deals 2 damage to any target. So, it's 2 mana. <laughs> like <laughs> It's 2 mana to kill, I mean, a bare minimum, a utility creature, if not more, if you have dragons in your hand, if you're playing a dragon deck. Mm-hmm. And then it flips, if you're playing a dragon deck, you're going to flip it like no problem because you either just killed the only blocker that mattered or you have a bunch of flyers and you attack someone without flyers and it turns into this other awesome dragon that (laughs) deals a bunch of damage to stuff like that's insane that's insane for two mana yeah i i am a huge fan of this card uh, in dragon decks um i think that it's not a huge ask to like a sing probably like a single dragon can just deal enough damage to flip this and then the next time you attack like you're going to deal way more than five damage like split up and you're dealing it like to your opponent's permanence like basically what i'm saying is the investment of sending a guy at it will be more than repaid by the value you're getting off of the flip half Mm -hmm. um and of course like you're yeah like you mentioned you're getting 
to kill probably something at least uh, when it enters the battlefield. This is a this is a lot for two mana. This is a, a great tool for dragon decks. Yeah, like this is one of the few. Like, there's very few um, cards that I'm into playing in mono red dragons. I'm pretty particular about it. Like, I don't even necessarily like the like goblins that make dragons cheaper and stuff like that in those decks. Mm-hmm. But I would just play this. <laughs> like, like this is amazing. Like, it does everything you want. It keeps you alive. Kills off utility creatures. Kills people. Kills their stuff. Great, awesome. Um, this next one is a much, much smaller package for two mana. <laughs> Not nearly as much card text. Um, so this is Rouse Reinforcements. It is a red sorcery. It costs one and a red. And it says, create two, one, one, blue and red elemental creature tokens. Boom, I'm, I'm in. You got me. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of decks that can easily use this, like Zeta, Hedron Grinder is one. Um, would you run this in Magnus the Red? Yeah, I'm absolutely going to run this in Magnus. Sweet. Um, yeah, there, there's just plenty of Red X token builds that are looking for that that are already running similar cards to this. Like, just look, do like an EDH rec search for, you know, Krenko's Command or Dragon Fodder yeah. or Forbidden Friendship, and you'll I find some like, decks where this can go. Yeah, I feel like the Forbidden Friendship two or like the whatever the third most common one is is a good indicator because like if you're playing the third one you probably want the fourth (laughs) yeah yeah um but yeah just a really simple really good card uh much like this next one uh do you want to read this one off yeah so this is the last red card we're talking about today and it is ren's resolve um this is one in a red for a sorcery exile the top two cards of your library until the end of your next turn you may play those cards so it's just a Reckless Impulse with a different name. Um, and Reckless Impulse is in 19,000 decks on EDH rec. Uh, this is, I think, an easy inclusion for like red decks that have a low curve, run few reactive cards, um, and like don't have access to blue or black card draw. The exception being like Prosper, where of course you want to run this card. This is like perfect for that deck. Um, yeah, it's a just neat little... Uh, I'm honestly like excited to see um, like functional reprints, of course, for like these utility effects. No, I am too. Like I've really enjoyed Reckless Impulse. I put it in like a bunch of different decks, mono red and otherwise. Um, like you said, it's like pretty much an auto including Prosper. I think it's probably an auto including like Faldorn. Um, so there's just a ton of cards that like things being in exile that like casting things from exile now um yeah just great another home run two mana red card so i think the last four cards were two mana and they all slap just so hard <laughs> so <laughs> just absolutely wild um which gets us to green uh the first green card is deep root wayfinder it's one in a green for a two three creature merfolk scout when it deals combat damage to a player or battle, surveil one, then you may return a land card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Um, so I, I think this is great if your deck has a critical mass of fetch lands. Um, if you're just like naturally putting lands in the graveyard, then I, I would feel a lot more comfortable than trying to like blind hit off surveil. Um, 
you do have to get in at people. Um, so that part might be tricky. Um, but there, there's some decks that can do that pretty well. Like um, Serith, the one that gives your tapped guys death touch. That could be a way to do it. Um, any ideas for what you can do with this card? Um, I just kind of want to give this evasion. I mean, I think in Kumana, it's pretty good. Um, I think if you're running, like you said, any fetch lands at all. Um, so there's some decks like, um, I find that like mono green. So like a Titania and stuff like that really like having just a bunch of fetch lands. So this is probably a good two mana play in those decks and it gets you on the board. Three toughness is pretty good for those early turns can stop most of the like other shenanigans that might be going on. Um, so I think this is just a pretty solid card. Uh, one day we'll get actual scout tribal. This will probably go in there. Um, but for now it's a pretty good merfolk and, um, if yeah, they were if to, can... mm-hmm. sorry, if they were to batch scouts and rangers, do you think there's like a third type you could fit in with those or would it just be those two? Uh, scouts and rangers. If, uh, I'll think about that. There probably is. There's probably something that I'm not thinking about scouts, rangers, and uh i wouldn't put druids in there something there's there's probably something there Mm. uh anyway moving on to the next card this is glistening dawn it's two green green for a sorcery incubate x twice where x is the number of lands you control um so you get to make two swole artifacts um what do you think about this card what would you do with it yeah (laughs) So, um, I mean, we've mentioned already, uh, so in Glissa, Herald of Predation, the new, new Glissa, like these just flip for free, but that's actually not what I care about. Like the, the cool thing to do with this is with Ginny Faye. So you can pay for and get two, uh, plus like X where X is your land, two plus X where X is your land, like hasty cats or trampoly dogs. So I think that's really cool. But I think just like the big beef is fun and cool. There's other uh, commanders that can do cool stuff with that. Yeah, I did want to bring it up at bare minimum for the Ginny Faye because that's really funny to me. Mm. Just you're like four mana. Somebody's taken anywhere from like 20 to like plus, you know, if you have eight lands, if you just have six, like they're taking 16 for four mana. Like that's pretty wild <laughs> out of yeah, nowhere. So it's pretty good. Um and that's pretty much it. Like this is kind of what I wanted to see out of an incubate card. Make me want to flip the creature, and pretty much none of the other ones do that. <laughs> and it's funny that the best case scenario for this is when it's not an incubate, when it's actually just something else entirely. So, um, do you want to get into this next one? It's the probably a new staple, right? New green staple. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, This is Invasion of Ikoria. It is X green green for a six defense battle. When it enters the battlefield, search your library and or graveyard for a non-human creature card with mana value X or less and put it onto the battlefield. If you search your library this way, shuffle. Then the reverse is Zilortha Apex of Ikoria, which is an 8-8 legendary creature dinosaur with reach 
For each non-human creature you control, you may have that creature assign its combat damage as though it weren't blocked. Um, so, uh, Finale of Devastation is in 96,000 decks on EDH rec. Um, and while this can't get humans or overrun your team, I think it's still like an instant format staple. Uh, other easy point of comparison is like um, Court of Calling, which, but, you know, not an instant, whatever. But really, like, it's another way to get your crater hoof onto the battlefield when you're ready to win the game. Um, I don't think you ever bother to flip this because you should have won by then. Like, you're mm-hmm. not going to divert damage away from your opponents to your battle when you're alpha striking. Uh, any other thoughts on Evasion of Ikoria? Uh No, it's just very good. I mean, you... You get whatever you need. If you're comboing, it's that. If it's a crater hoof, it's that. If it's a utility guy, you know, you're ramen up excavator, it's that. And then, yeah, you, then you just kill, <laughs> kill people. <laughs> so, yeah, it is a little bit telegraphed because you do have to flip it. Like six, uh, six defenses is not nothing to sneeze at. But um, if you, like, let's say you flip it and you have an extra combat or something like that, like, people are just dead. You know, like it's just it's over. Like Salortha's here, um, the biggest dinosaur apparently. So that's it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty pretty wild. Next card is Invasion of Chandelar. It's three green green for a four defense battle. When it enters the battlefield, return up to three target permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. And the reverse is Leyline Surge. It's an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a permanent card from your hand onto the battlefield. Um, so three cards, potentially a ton of mana every turn in a deck with enough expensive permanence. So definitely looking at like high curve green decks, um, maybe like ramp lists or like, like the first thing that comes to mind is Mael Anima, but I'm sure there's more popular commanders that are doing similar things. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I was trying to figure out something that, like, where you're either milling or sacking stuff, and Titania came to mind, like, most of the versions of Titania. Because even though, like, you the front half does get you back lands and stuff that you've sacked early, and then the lat- latter half puts in big permanents that you use to win the game, like your greater hoofs and whatnot. So it seemed, like, pretty good in those, like, decks. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of good in general. If you're playing like an Atla Palani, if you're doing anything that is somehow going to get stuff into your graveyard and also have big things, which is a surprising amount of green decks. Um, I think this is a pretty good card for you. <laughs> like four defense is pretty easy. So it comes down turn five. You probably have a board. You just give it to the person you can hit, flip it really quick. Um, Green's got trample and all that stuff. So I think, I think it's pretty good. All right, uh, next up we've got Invasion of Zendikar. This is three and a green for a battle siege. At, when it enters the battlefield, search your library for up to two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. And it's got three defense. So if you break through that defense, the reverse is Awakened Skyclave. It's a creature elemental. It's a 4-4 with vigilance and haste. As long as it's on the battlefield, it's a land in addition to its other types. It has tap, add one mana of any color. So this is interesting. Um, I 
I mean, clearly it's, it's the easiest point of comparison is explosive vegetation. Um, this is pretty clearly better than most of those variants. Just um, the ability to potentially turn it into a beater in the late game, potentially like ramp yourself further as well, um, is pretty attractive. What do you think about this card? I think it's cool. Just a few funny things about this card. It, it's one of the better explosive vegetation variants. For some reason, they just they know that four mana get two lands is safe, so they're going to print it in a bunch of different ways. I just didn't expect to see it as a battle. But the uh, back half, the Awakened Skyclave, um, it's a land, so it does count as like a land drop for landfall effects and stuff like that. So this is a little bit better if you're running landfall decks um, and can flip it because you can, for four mana, get three landfall triggers in the same kind of go. Um, a little bit separated, you have to combat, but that's a pretty interesting. That's pretty powerful. And then like a 4-4 four, four Vigilance Haste is nothing to sneeze at, especially one that can, if you want it, to make mana. So yeah, I'm like pretty down for this card. There, There's too many explosive veggies now. I don't know yeah. <laughs> what to do. <laughs> Just the fact that, like, you know, if you've got a three power creature, like, ready to go on turn four, you can drop this and flip it, and you're getting, like, three lands ahead, that's pretty powerful. That, like, really pushes it ahead of most of the other variants. So, seems like a great card, and I'm happy to move on from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this next one is Kami of Whispered Hopes. So, this is a 1-1 spirit for three mana, two and a green. Uh, so Kami of Whispered Hope says if one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on a permanent you control, that many plus one plus one count <laughs> that many plus one plus one plus one counters are put on that permanent <laughs> instead. I am gonna leave that in there because that's worded so uh so basically if you are gonna get a it's a hardened scales. If you're gonna get a plus one plus one counter, you get two of them. Um and then it also has tap add X mana of any one color where X is Kami of Whispered Hope's power. And it's yeah, it starts off as a one one, like I said. So a three mana one one mana dork, hardened scales. Um oh yeah, this isn't uncommon just for the people at home listening. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty incredible. This is seems very pushed. Um I like that it is another copy of Hardened Scales, but um it's also like another Viridian joiner for decks like Raga Draga, Willow Dusk, Halana and Elena, or like Azuri 2.0. Um, just decks that can really easily pump up a single creature. Um, being able to do that and like have this be essentially like an easier to cast. Um, well, I mean, there, there's not a super easy point of comparison, but um, it's pretty easy to just make this like tap for more mana than it costs to cast it um so it seems like great acceleration in the decks that are naturally doing that kind of thing yeah it is pretty wild and i I love that it's just assumed that like you're gonna get counters on this (laughs) like (laughs) like there's no way to do it on the card itself but it's like no it's fine you're gonna Mm -hmm. you're gonna get more power it's gonna be good so that's uh just wild they keep printing these guys that tap for X of any color, like in the days of of old, 
there's so many people's experiment garage decks that would have just like just lost it over a card like this that could make green or blue or something so i just we've come very far um all right so i guess let's move on to the next one all right next we've got ozolith the shattered spire this is one in a green for a legendary artifact if one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on an artifact or creature you control that many plus one plus one plus one counters are put on it instead and then it has one in a green tap put a plus one plus one counter on target artifact or creature you control activate only as a sorcery and it has cycling for two so it's another hardened scales uh this one with the ability to add counters itself and you know if for some reason you find yourself in a situation where you don't need that you can just cycle it away so this seems like a fantastic card uh just great support for the plus plus one counter decks um and hey like they threw cycling on it kind of just for free so it's never going to be terrible um I'm, i'm pretty high on this no i am too it's it's wild that they gave it cycling like this just means that no matter what format you're playing this in it's going to be like a completely fine good and relevant card (laughs) like the the base mode of put a plus one plus one counter on something with this or put two plus one plus one counters on something with this is like you know that's whatever but if you're just playing this as your turn one hardened scales turn two ozolith the shattered spire turn three like something that gets counters or puts count like all of a sudden everything from then on is insane and your whole deck is in turbocharge mode so yeah this is wild uh i am super high on this like it's two mana it's crazy they're just really pushing these green artifacts yeah i can't wait to rebuild some of my old plus plus one counter builds just with all of the tech from this set yeah, it is. It's. I know it's a limited theme, but like, come on, guys! Like, they they haven't juiced plus one plus one counters like this since like Kaladesh. It's been like a very long time. Um, we did get. Uh, we did get that one commander um, in Battle for Baldur's Gate that supported it pretty well. She was also like essentially a um, uh, a hardened scales in the command zone. But, oh, yeah. oh 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 yes 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 i do remember her she was she the two color one the white green one she's like white but usually stick her with a green partner like i think you want um oh oh lazel yeah yes okay yes the chooser yeah <laughs> yes okay so just so everyone doesn't think we're crazy so lazel uh vlaketh's champion was the three three for three that hardened scales in white um, I completely forgot about that. She also puts a counter on Planeswalkers. Um, oh, very good. Yeah, so if you are doing doing that, you can do that too. Yeah, no, that's true. We, we haven't. They're just they're just really they're full of surprises, you know. Giving all these little presents <laughs> away. Um, do you want to get on to this next card? Yes. Uh, so the next card is Tribute to the World Tree. It's a green, green, green for an enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card if its power is three or greater. Otherwise, put two plus and plus one counters on it. This is uh, just the newest iteration in a, a very long chain of cards. Um, going back to, I guess, Kavu Lair. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> but, but there's just a whole lot of cards like this. Um, you know, Elemental Bond, Garak's Pack Leader. Uh, there's some where the threshold is four, like uh, I think, is it Garak's Majesty or something? Um, oh, yeah, the one, it's, if you uh, have a Garak's four Uprising. Power. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this one's a little bit harder to cast than most of those, given the triple green, but whatever. Like, you're trying to go for a critical mass of these, typically. Um, and it seems very good in decks like Goreclaw, um, Gwenna, Coma, the, the World Serpent, um, Titania 1.0, uh, Omnath 2.0, Greensleeves, Titania, Nature's Force. There's just a lot of commanders out there that make a lot of three plus power dudes. Um, and so this seems perfect for getting like a creature ball thing going in those builds. Yeah, I don't really have too much more to say about this. It's just pretty, <laughs> pretty good. The f- I-, I love the fact that it's green, green, green. Like, I really, really love pushing monocolor incentives. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I know that if you have a good enough mana base, you could play this in multicolor decks and you could push this in a two color deck and it probably is okay. But like, I do love these incentives. I think that looks cool, like aesthetically. Um, and I think if they can push like what a card does in monocolor by making it like green, 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 or like red, 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 red or something, then they absolutely should because Multicolor's got all the tools now. <laughs> yeah. Would you uh, run this in a deck that was making a lot of like one ones or two twos just as sort of like a buff for your creatures? I actually probably would. Like I was thinking I'm probably going to try this in um, the Iktekic list that I've talked about a few times on the show at this point, just because mm-hmm. um, he'll come in bigger and then I draw a card. Cards off the golems. From- yeah, so I, I figured that'll be good enough, and the mana is decent enough that this probably comes down at least turn four, you know, so it's not like I'm waiting till turn seven, like a limited game or something with two or three colors. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty high on this. All right. Uh, yeah, it seems like a very neat card. And with that, we are ending our green section and moving into multicolor. Um, We're going to start off with Invasion of Theros. It's a four defense battle for two and a white. When it enters the battlefield, search your library for an aura, god, or demigod card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. And then the reverse is Afara Ever Sheltering. It's a 4-4 legendary enchantment creature god. Afara has lifelink and indestructible as long as you control at least three other enchantments. And whenever another enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. So uh, this is pretty neat. It's a, a tutor on the front half. It's a card draw engine on the back half. Clearly, you want to be running this in a deck that's like going deep on um, on enchantments. But, well, actually, maybe not. Because like searching up a god is pretty sweet. You could run this as kind of like a blink engine. Um, by like grabbing your Thassa Deep Dwelling, and then you can like also just use it as a way to grab things to mess up opposing commanders, like Dark Steel Mutation or Imprisoned in the Moon. Um, there are some combo pieces that are auras, like Power Artifact, Freed from the Real, Gift of Immortality. I think this is a pretty flexible card. 
Um, I think that, mm, like, a, I'm more interested in like the tutor half of the card than the back half of the card. Um, but you know, in say like a Tuvasa list or some other like blue white X enchantments build, it's probably worth it to because you're going to be running lots of good auras most likely. Um, and then you can just flip this and get a card advantage for pretty low investment. But what do you think about this card? Naturally, I like it a lot. Um, I do kind of wish I could run afar as a commander. That would be kind of cool. But uh, she's stuck on that back half, um, which means I am looking at the front half a decent amount. Um, I think it's enough utility and... You can play it in decks that either are Voltroning, like, or uh, I guess what I mean to say is that it it can go in a variety of decks. It's not just going in Enchantress. It could go in your Voltron deck. It can go in your God deck. If you have, like like you said, a toolbox and, like, one of the gods is a Phoenix or something in your Esper deck, like, you know, there's a bunch of stuff you can do with it. And I think that alone makes me like it a lot. Um, and then the Afar on the back is just kind of gravy, kind of butter, if you uh, are putting it in a deck that can do that. Because I assume that if your deck is happy tutoring for a demigod or a god or an aura, that you can A, flip this pretty easily, and B, will be very happy drawing a card for every aura, god, or demigod that you end up casting after that. So, um I'm yeah, I'm pretty pretty into this. And also just to note, it's not a cast trigger on the Afar side, it is a ETB. So you can blink your enchantments and things, draw cards, so just very versatile, very good. They tried to make it as friendly as possible, it seems like. Yeah, very cool card. Um and I think that like as we see more gods printed, uh this its power as a toolbox is just going to keep growing over time. So this next card is also an Azorius card. It is Marshal of Zalfir. This is a 2-2 human knight for 2 mana, white, blue. Uh, he says other knights you control get plus 1, plus 1, and has white, blue, tap, tap, another target creature. So it's pretty good for a lord. Like, obviously... In limited, this is very nice. Um, it's interesting to me that blue white is knights so soon after blue white soldiers, but I'm not really complaining because all these cards kind of rule. Like a two mana lord that has some other utility for this tribe is like pretty. It's pretty much what you want. <laughs> like you don't really want to spend more than two on your lords these days. Um, unless they're doing something wild. So I, I think this is cool. I think it goes into one deck in particular right now until we get more support. Uh, yeah. Support. But uh, yeah, do you want to do you want to say the the guy, say the name? Oh, um. I can't remember his name. It's it's Siddhar Jabari. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Siddhar Jabari. Um, I can't remember his is... full name. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so yeah, I agree. It really only works in that deck. Uh, 
And I also agree that it's very strange that blue white is uh, now the night color. So soon after they try to rebrand as soldiers, um, it it just seems like poor planning. Because I feel like what's going on here is, you know, oh, we're going to be going back to Eldraine soon. Knights are going to be relevant again. Um, and then there's like a lot of knights among the vampire faction on Ixalan. So it makes sense. Maybe they want to expand that color identity a little bit. But, you know, everyone, when they introduced like blue soldiers in, um, in Brothers War, were like, you know, kind of perplexed and were like, okay, we'll go with you on this Wizards. And then Wizards immediately just kind of like, you know, took a, a heel turn and started marching the other direction. Um, so it just feels very strange. But I don't, that's, more than we really needed to say about a two mana lord <laughs> that goes in one deck. Um, it's the subtext. Yeah, yeah. It's the um, meta game. Uh, let, let's move on to Stormclaw Rager. It's one black red, so three mana for a two two creature ogre warrior. It has one sacrifice another creature or artifact. Put a plus and plus one counter on Stormclaw Rager and draw a card. Activate only as a sorcery. So. Uh, this actually kind of surprised me. I was looking for easy points of comparison, and uh, the first one that came to mind was Dockside Chef, um, which, you know, <laughs> not a very memorable card, I thought. Um, which is, it's, it's one mana for a one two, pay two, sacrifice an artifact or creature, draw a card. Um, but apparently, it's in 21,000 decks on EDH Rec. So, has seen significant adoption despite not being particularly exciting um <laughs> I, i've been playing it so that it okay it's not enough. completely unsurprising to me i mean i've put vampiric rights in some decks but um you know i'm always wary of like running creature based sack outlets that die mm-hmm. but anyway um so stormclaw rager i think is the better card it has a more narrow color identity but i would much rather pay like more mana up front and have a lower activation cost and of course like this one actually grows over time like the body might become relevant once you add enough plus plus one counters to it um also one notable difference uh it does only allow you as to activate as a sorcery so you aren't really going to be able to respond to a board wipe very well um but you know if you're running this kind of card i would assume you're doing it proactively like i'm churning through my deck i'm trying to i'm like sacking my blood gas dropping a land getting blood gas back sacking again like spending your mana on your turn that's i think a fine trade-off for like the really good rate that this offers um and i want to call out specifically uh i mean obviously it's very good in treasure decks um also seems very good in tago lists it's probably i would much rather like sacrifice a rock to draw a card than to just shock something. So some good options out there for how to use it. But I don't know if you have anything you want to say about it. Not much. I, I'm fine with the sorcery speed on this. Like, obviously, it would be better if it was instant speed. But it's so, like, a generic? Really? Like, I can sack two things with the soul ring activation? Like, that's so nice. <laughs> that's so nice of them. So, yeah, I, I just... Totally agree with everything you said. I'm definitely going to play this in a 
at least at least one deck that I have. <laughs> um, so this next one is another invasion. So this is Invasion of Tolvada. So Invasion of Tolvada is a five mana siege with five defense. It costs three white black. Uh, so you pay your five mana. What do you get when Invasion of Tolvada enters the battlefield? Return target non-battle permanent card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Uh, then if you get rid of the five defense, it flips into the Broken Sky, which is an enchantment. It is white and black, and it says creature tokens you control get plus one, plus zero, and have lifelink. And at the beginning of your end step, create a 1-1 one, one white and black spirit creature token with flying. Um, This one feels like they're being stingy to me. <laughs> like... Uh, <laughs> The, the other ones are pushed so hard that this, like, I know it's a lot of of stuff they're giving me. I know it's a, it's an anthem, it's a spirit, and it's a Obzidat's aid, basically. But like, the other ones we've been talking about are like, like multiple cards. Like, here's a bunch of creatures. Like, it feels like if this cost four, I would have been like mega pumped for it. But yeah, they made I, it cost the same. I, I think I agree. Um, like, I don't think five mana is what we should be paying for the Obsidot's aid effect these days. Um, and I think that a lot of the other ETBs on battles have been kind of competitively priced. Like, you know, you pay four mana for your Invasion of Zendikar, you get the same thing you'd get when you cast an Explosive Vegetation, you know? That's like the going rate for that effect. And that's true of a lot of the the ETBs on these things like invasion of Ikoria, it's pretty close to what you would expect to pay if that was just a sorcery. So yeah, I um, don't love the front half and the back half. Um, it's just slow, like beginning of your end step. I mean, there, there's decks where it's going to be good. Like maybe like I was thinking there are some like token decks with expensive commanders where you could play your like five mana Marnius Calgar or Thalese and eventually somebody's going to kill it and then you could get it back with Invasion of Tolvada and then like get additional utility if you can then flip the invasion. Um, that's kind of what I was thinking, just like uh, using it to anticipate removal in like, you know, magnet commanders that want the backside. But yeah, it's it's slow. It's not the most competitive rate. I could easily see you just like not running this, even if you have a deck that meets those qualifications. Yeah, I mean, I I probably will run it over Obsidot's aid. Like, I don't have any decks with Obsidot's aid right now. But if I did, I would switch to this. You know. Mm-hmm. But if, so that's kind of I guess where I'm going to leave it is like if you are, uh. Running an Obsidot's aid, this seems almost strictly better because at bare minimum, you get a two-one flyer <laughs> each turn or something. So you know that could be worse. But we got some fun. Everyone's favorite. Wait, wait. I've got a very quick question for you regarding. Oh this yeah, card. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like, if you were um, designing these cards, uh, do you think? Well, do you think it would be more important to push the battles that are? taking place on planes we know and love 
or the new planes that we have like never heard anything about before, like Tolvada? Oh, that's a good question. I have not compiled. I haven't thought about them like that. That's so funny because let's see. Yeah, most of the ones we talk about in this episode are planes we've heard of before, and they're all like mega pushed. Maybe I guess they did that on purpose. Yeah, that would make sense. I guess they're not trying to get us to. They're not working too hard to make us excited for these potential planes. Maybe they don't really have any intention of visiting them. But anyway, yeah, who knows? I hope we see some of them. I love like seeing stuff like this or like the plane chase planes when those came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and being like, "Ooh, what could be going on here?" Like, that's a fun little exciting treat they give you, you know? Yeah, or like seeing battle and uh, Atraxa's reminder text. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're like, oh. Oh yeah. Oh, that's cool. Be, what could that be? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we got two of everyone's favorite mana cost cards, the Woobergs. Um, do you want to read off this first one? Yeah. The first one is begin the invasion. It is X and Wooberg. So X white, blue, black, red, green. It's a sorcery search your library for up to X battle cards with different names, put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Uh, so this card I think is kind of sweet. Um, obviously, like I, I don't think you want to cast this for like huge amounts because there aren't that many truly insane battles, um, and I don't want to be like stuffing my deck full of battles just so that I can do the begin the invasion for larger amounts when like I'm actually not excited to draw most of those battles. I think that like you could do you could run like the two or three best battles and just leave it at that and then just never plan to cast this for more than X's like two or three because I'm thinking like getting invasion of Fiora like wiping the board seems pretty sweet and then getting and then invasion of Alara which we're going to talk about in a second uh, invasion of Alara we'll we'll read it in a minute. But it gets you just like a huge amount of value on both sides. Um, so I think like, yeah, I I wouldn't try to stuff my deck full of battles unless there was a commander that actively incentivized running a huge number of them. Because I think most of them, or a fair number of them, basically the ones we like didn't mention in this set review, are probably not worth running in commander without some sort of subsidy. Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. Like, I when I see this card, I think of it as like basically a seven mana card, uh, maybe an eight mana if you're running three battles, maybe a six mana if you drew one of them, you know, like something like that. And I'd be pretty happy just to tutor it up and get what I need and keep moving. Um, so yeah, it really depends. Like, we are going to get more battles. Like, they introduce a new permanent type with a subtype. Specifically because we're going to get more of them and there's going to be different ones. And so I think over time we're probably going to get a Wooberg five color battle commander and, you know, all the, all that stuff is going to happen. So over time, this will probably get better. But right now it's a, at least decent, you know, if you uh, are earning a five color deck and want to play some battles. Mm-hmm. So uh, that one we talked about, Invasion of Alara. 
Well, it costs simply Wooburg, so it's five mana value, white, blue, black, red, green. Uh, and it there's a lot of text on this card, so bear with me. Uh, when Invasion of Alara enters the battlefield, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile two non-land cards with mana value four or less. You may cast one of them without paying its mana cost. Put one of them into your hand. Then put the rest of the exile cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. So it has seven defense. So five mana, seven defense. It cascades into a four drop and you draw a four drop. Uh, then the backside is Awaken the Maelstrom, which is a sorcery. So when you deal seven to it, it flips and casts itself. Uh, Awaken the Maelstrom is all colors. Target player draws two cards. You may put an artifact card from your hand onto the battlefield, create a token that's a copy of a permanent you control, distribute three plus one plus one counters among one, two, or three creatures you control, destroy target permanent and opponent controls. Woo, okay, so that's there's a lot of text there. So it I think the short version of this card is it's pretty good and you get a lot of cards. <laughs> that's Get a lot of cards worth of value out of it. Yeah. Um, uh, it's one of the harder ones to flip. I think seven might be the highest of any battle. Um, yeah, I think it's the highest. Is there one other one with seven? Like Arcavius, I think. Oh, yeah, that one is high as well. So I so think it's seven, but seven's the top. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like the front half, assuming you're in a five color deck and you've got your like perfect mana base, whatever. The front half is decent. Like you're getting two cards plus one card's worth of mana. Um, so you're like refunding a lot of what you paid and drawing two cards. It's not terrible. I, d- I don't generally like getting like random value like this. There is a chance that you hit just like two, two drops. And then it's like, well, I kind of just, it's like, you know, you're kind of just like divinationed a little bit. Um, not gr- not great. Um, but obviously there's, if you're running this, presumably you're going to be able to flip it fairly easily. And then once you get both halves of the card, then like the mana cost fully makes sense. The mana cost becomes actually a bargain. Once you get the other two cards and you get the like, token copy of something and you get the vindicate and blah 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 um so i think you know if you're the thing is it's just kind of like it is just kind of random value um i yeah. don't know if there's a five color deck that like specifically wants this it's more just like if you are running five colors um then, this is good yeah, yeah this is fine this is a card you can put in your deck yeah, that's really, though, like, their designs for Five Color the last year have been like that. When we saw Jared Carthalian, like, Planeswalker, that was the whole deck was just like, yeah, you could put this here. <laughs> yeah, like, pretty much. There's, like, no synergy at all. It was just like, yeah, that's Five Colors. And you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, I guess Knight of New Alara is happy. I don't know. Like, what a weird concept. But that's, I think they've kind of realized that five color pile is like not necessarily good for the format. And so they do stuff like this. Um, Well, it might be better. Hmm. Like 
five color pile of like cards you see in every like you know two color and three color and monocolor deck yeah that sucks you know like seeing swords in every white deck including the five color one that's you know it's more exposure to staples you're already a little bit bored of um but i don't mind like five color boring efficiency because at least it's not a card that can go into any other deck you know what i'm saying Mm-hmm. No, I totally get that. And I, that's actually like the cards that are five colors that are sitting in my like collection right now. I do stare at fondly and go like, hmm, I wonder if I'm ever going to look at you in a sleeve one day because <laughs> I just don't have a five color deck. And I'm like, not sure if I would like, it's not like you're going to put all of them together, you know, but I guess if there's enough of these that are like generically good, then you could. Yeah, I felt like I felt like both Jared Carthalian and the like side commander in that deck. Um like Jensen Carthalian. Um I don't think either of them like did enough to incentivize running five color cards. Maybe no. they'll revisit the theme one day. Um mm-hmm. I felt like both of them were kind of weak, but the idea it is it would be like a completely different archetype just um run all colors but get better incentives than those two offered that could be fun yeah no i agree um which now gets us to the artifact so we got two fourier today um this first one is uh is the one it's the the name it's the the tree we've all been hearing about it's realm breaker the invasion tree so this is a three mana legendary artifact Realm Breaker, they have two abilities. The first one is two, tap. Target opponent mills three cards. Put a land card from their graveyard onto the battlefield tapped under your control. It gains if this land would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else. And then it has another ability. Ten, tap, sacrifice Realm Breaker, the invasion tree. (laughs) Search your library for any number of Praetor cards. Put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Um, this is pretty silly. I think this is, I think it's very good, but I think this is one of those designs that like could only exist because of flavor, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no reason to put these two things (laughs) together on a card. Yeah, I, I agree there. Um, so I think there's like, I mean, you're, you're right that these are like totally disparate abilities because I think the decks that want them are also completely different. Um, yeah. Like, um, so the, let's talk about the first half uh, of the card. Just like three cost, two tap, like probably ramp. I think your odds are pretty good that you'll ramp. So either somebody's running fetch lands or, um, you know, has discarded cards or you have a pretty good rate of like you know if everyone's running 38 lands in three cards you've got a decent hit rate let me give you the exact percentage um but i think you are you're i think it's fair to say you're likely to hit you've got a pretty good shot of hitting when you activate it, especially in a multiplayer game um so wait i want to before you move on to the next part do you think that this card will be worse in more casual play groups because they run <laughs> less lands fewer, than fewer fetch lands. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, just oh, fewer lands in oh, general. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so 
assuming like people are running 38 lands, your chance to hit on three cards is 77%. So not bad. And that's without any other like things that could make it more likely to hit. Um, Yeah, that's good. So what color identities would be interested in that? And I'd say like, obviously not green. Um, You could start there. And it is just like pretty darn slow. Um, At what point are you like more excited to be running this than like a worn power stone? Because, you know, if you cast a worn power stone, you immediately like get your plus two mana. Or, well, not immediately. On your next turn, you get your plus two mana. And, or like a Palladium Mur or something like that. Whereas it's going to take two activations of Realm Breaker to have ramped you that far ahead. Um, and there is also like the downside. I think they brought this up on the MTG Goldfish podcast where um, the person who like you're most likely to get your lands from might not always be the person who's most likely to survive to the finals. So you could be like farming lands from the guy with all the fetch lands. And then if he gets knocked out, all your ramp disappears. Um, so that's also not incredibly appealing. Um, so I don't know. I, th- w- I think like I'm actually pretty low on running this in obviously any green deck, probably any monocolor deck. Um, I think the the only question is like, would you run this in for the first ability? We'll get to the second ability in a moment. Would yeah. you run it for the first ability in like mono brown, or or do, are you do you want to push back and say that like you'd run this in you know, I don't know mono red or mono white or something? No, I think like I I'm more likely to run this in like Kirkish than other sure. mono red decks, but I don't really think I do want to run this in mono red. Like that's. I haven't really noticed myself hurting like the old days anymore. And then white's gotten a lot of new tools and like maybe blue or something like, you know, or not really. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know what Monica there's probably like a monocolor deck out there, but I don't think that's like good enough for a blanket statement about like, you should play this in mono black or something like that. Um, so yeah, I think, for the most part, I would play this in colorless decks. I think that I will agree with you there. Okay. Um, and sorry, I just want to correct myself earlier. Like, if you're hitting fetch lands with this, it actually is significantly better than if you're just stealing regular lands, because then, like, you're cracking the fetches and getting, and yeah, the fetch gets exiled, but you're getting the lands out of your deck. So you're not, you're less vulnerable to, like, losing mana when a player gets knocked out. Um, but anyway, let's talk about the second half of the card. So, like, I was, I think I was pretty high on like Death Bellow Warcry when it came out. Um, I'm not averse to just like running these goofy tutor a billion things onto the battlefield types of cards. Um, so I think that like some of the planes or some of the praetors are obviously pretty good. Like just generically, I think like if you're running a big mana deck in say mono blue or a blue X color identity where you can realistically get 10 mana, um, then like I think 
all three Gingataxiuses are pretty good. Oh, and yeah. it is and it is nice that like your Gingataxius core auger can get you enough cards in hand that you can flip your your Gingataxius like saga version. Um and then like the other Gingataxius is just like good protection. So that's kind of appealing. Like if you can summon up all the mana required to make this happen, like you are in an incredible position. Um, you know, when you draw 14 plus cards out of nowhere. Um I think like Shield Red 1.0 and Shield Red 3.0 are pretty good like board control too. So just having that like abyss effect and reanimation effect and like the immediate uh like ETB Sakanon token from Shield Red 3.0. That's pretty solid. And then of course you have that potential to flip the the third shield red to get even more value. Um I think there's like some combinations of Praetors like, you know, if you're running a big mana black deck and you get your coffers every single game, it might not be completely unrealistic to play this and activate it for just the sick value. What what do you think about that? No, I think that yeah, I could see that being true also. Like, um you're playing blue braids and this is both ramp for if braids keeps dying and also like an instant win button or yeah you're playing mono black and you routinely get to 10 mana like i I think that the second ability is actually now that you're like talking about it like this like more appealing even in like green you know like if you if you get like vorinclex 1.0 and like 3.0 yeah 3.0 and or your two colors and you get like a shield rate or something, you know, like that's crazy. You probably wreck the whole board and win the game pretty soon after that. <laughs> it's like, seems implausible to lose. Like, unless someone just was waiting for this to happen, you know, which I guess it is 13 mana <laughs> yeah, combined. But if you like play the first, just, Play it and then pass the turn, and somebody can see you're about to hit ten mana. Yeah, but that does actually. Yeah. yeah, this does actually make me, um, more interested in it because I do often build decks that just make a stupid amount of mana for no reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's funny that that makes it worse in red for that ability. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, because all the Urbrasks are terrible or or just yeah. like not generally useful. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Realm Breaker. That's a pretty wild design. Um, I'm going to be thinking about this for a while. Um, this next one, though, people have been thinking about for a long while. It's the end of an era, really. You know, like this is uh, the last of the 10 two color swords. Uh, so. Where would. Well. Let me read it, and then I want to get your ranking on like where this lands among those ten. Oh, um, sure. So, Sword of Once and Future is three mana for an artifact equipment. It equips for two. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from blue and from black. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, surveil two. Then you may cast an instant or sorcery spell with mana value two or less from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that spell would be put into your graveyard, exile it instead. How do you think this ranks among all ten swords? 
Um, and I'll give you a moment to look those up. Yeah, I was I was looking as you were reading it off. So uh, it's definitely not the best one. So I'm going to start there. Um, the protections it gives are also, um, I guess black is fine. You know, black is a good protection, but blue, you know, whatever, that's fine. Um, the effect, um, I mean, it's probably better than sinew and steel. Uh, it's arguably, I guess it depends on your play group. I would say it's arguably better than war and peace Mm -hmm. unless you have like a life gain synergy or something um but most of the other ones oh it's probably better than sword of mind uh body and mind too yeah is my guess so that what's puts it as like sixth place (laughs) (laughs) is that is that where i'm at right now there's three swords lower than it yeah i I would say like i like I really like Hearth and Home, Feast and Famine. Fire and Ice is okay. Um, I like Light and Shadow for the regrow. I, I've yeah. used that one a decent amount. Okay, I'm I'm not crazy about that one. That one uh, I like Forge and Frontier. So yeah, I'd say there's too. like you know four or five swords. I think that sixth is is probably right. Like there's four or five swords that are better than it. Um, so yeah, if you're just going for like generic value or just like stuff in your deck full of equipment for some reason um i would this would not be the first one i reach for and let me just give you some numbers really quick just so you can get a sense of like how likely you are to to hit these instances of sorceries like what kind of density you need to be running before you consider like before this becomes good or reliable um so if you're running like 20 instance and sorcery with mana value two or less in your deck um you'll have a 70 percent chance of drawing multiple of them by turn four um and like if you're only running 15 spells that meet the criteria that's only a 52.4 percent chance of drawing more than one by turn four um so uh and of course like you know if some of those are like counter spells or something they're kind of worthless to hit off of um off of this so really they have to be sort of like spot removal or or just like generally useful things like ramp spells yeah you i think this one requires a bit more out of you than most of the other swords this is definitely not a generic value type of sword although there there are generic value decks that can meet the criteria without too much trouble yeah yeah, I would say that's true. Like there are blue and black decks that are running a lot of interaction or low like uh Knights Whispers and whatnot, you know. Sure. Um but I the the one thing that really like spoke to me when I saw this card, like this is doing everything that like Tetsuo wants to do too. So the new one, um not the Legends one, but Tetsuo Imperial Champion. Um so Tetsuo Imperial Champion is I've got him. It's a blue, black, red for a 3-3 legendary creature human samurai. When he attacks, if he's equipped, choose one. Tetsuo deals damage equal to the highest mana value among equipment attached to it to any target, or you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand with mana value less than or equal to the highest mana value among equipment attached to Tetsuo without paying its mana cost. 
So that is pretty sweet. Like you could, if you have the sword of once a future on him, you attack, you cast like your doom blade. And then when you connect with the sword, uh, then you get to recast the doom blade. Uh, so that, that is pretty good tech. I like that. Yeah. That's pretty much the only place that I felt like this was immediately at home. Um, the other ones, it really is, seems like you're going to have you, the listener are going to have to determine if your deck is good for a sort of once in future, because it's, it's just not like generically powerful. Like some of these other swords are, um, but it is cool to see what they came up with. I actually do really like the design, uh, on this thing. I think it's an interesting, I, I, re- I think one of the reasons blue black was the last one was because like, what is it going to do <laughs> was, I think probably a harder question than some of the other color combos. What do you do? Draw a card again? Like <laughs> <laughs> Definitely tricky, especially since like, um, there's not a lot of overlap between these two colors. It's hard to make things that are kind of synergistic between two. I guess they could like bounce and force discard. That would always be an option. Um, but oh, they but they've already used discard on Eastern. Damn it! Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's it's tough. There's only so much color pie, and you got to fit out. You got to fill out twenty abilities. Um. Oh well, that's fine. We got. Uh, the last sword we got was one of the best ones, so I can't yeah, too much. <laughs> Absolutely, no, I'm I'm pretty happy with with the whole cycle in general. I think it's kind of cool that they they made two of them. They're like these are cool cards, and then people were like, "Where's the rest?" And they were like, "Oh, you you want Uh-oh. that?" And then actually <laughs> delivered. Yeah, well, yeah, it only took them like oh, twenty years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like pretty nuts in or they used to be pretty nuts in standard now i feel like they're it's not fast enough <laughs> oh yeah no you can get so much more for five mana these days yeah absolutely crazy just what those those mad lads are doing in standard mm-hmm. um but that's that's it so we've gotten through the whole main set um how are you feeling what's what's going on how do, do you feel like there's a lot a little are you disappointed are you happy I'm pretty happy. Um, there's a lot of like neat little upgrades that I'm keen on. Um, I thought red got a ton of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think they did a great job of like showcasing this new card type. There's a lot of exciting battles. Um, certainly, like you don't want to bore people if you're introducing a new card type. So I think they succeeded there. Um, there's a couple new staples. I'm looking at like Fairy Mastermind. Um, I the like the one thing I gotta say about this is just like um I don't know if the like Phyrexian cards were especially exciting. I felt like all the power was concentrated in the battles and like the random staples. Like the Phyrexians themselves didn't really get any incredibly good cards. Um, I'm trying to think if there is one of the transform cards that I was super into and like, nothing's coming to mind. Like some of the disappointing ones (laughs) come up first, (laughs) like the, um, the Hydra and stuff like that. Like, Oh man. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, 
I, I guess you have to show. I mean, maybe their like wizard's decision was like, um, you know, we want it to be obvious for people who aren't reading the stories, like who wins this war. Um, so that's why the Phyrexians can't get cool cards. But <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, some of them, I think some of the rares are cool. Like looking through them again, I, re- I did like Rona. Uh, and he also talked me up on Rona throughout the course of this episode. Or uh, I guess uh, last episode, sorry. <laughs> um, same with the IR. So it's like some of the legends were cool, but a lot of the like main deck cards, I guess, yeah, they just kind of fell flat. They just really, they took all of the uh, power they were allotted and they just poured the whole pitcher into the Praetors and then they kind of didn't leave enough for anyone else. Yeah. Um, kind of a shame. But whatever, this set was trying to do a lot of things. Um, and so I guess it's okay if they like weren't able to succeed on every level. I, I think that like I'm more forgiving of more forgiving of this set <clears throat> because I think it overall is a very good set, and the Praetors were for the most part pretty cool. Um I I still am like a little salty about like how all will be one was just like disappointing in a lot of ways like not especially strong in power level and the commanders weren't that good but uh yeah merch of the machine very sick set um overall I- i'm very happy with it and i'm excited to play with a lot of these new cards yeah absolutely just yeah the fact that like there are possibly multiple staples is i think saying a lot because i like really can't stress enough like i think back to mm-hmm. like 10 years ago when like pre rise of the eldrazi when you're not sure if you're going to get any cards that go in your commander deck you know like now it's just a given that there's going to be something there's going to be an upgrade or a side grade or like a new like sub theme you can try out but that was not always the case so um there's always something to do but staples are not in every set and i really do feel like there's multiple (laughs) in in this one so yeah definitely um they juiced it they they really went there so yeah cool set um and if you are interested in more set review content we have more coming next we're going to be covering the pre-cons for march of the machines and then after that, we'll be doing our, our traditional prediction episode. Uh, and then after that, we've got something fun. Uh, I hinted at it earlier, but we're going to be doing a Rule Zero Commander episode focused specifically on a double-faced cards. So keep your eyes peeled. There's a lot of cool stuff coming your way in the feed. But I think that ends our episode. So I'm going to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Ryan, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, Hannah, Andy, James, Bryce, Benjamin, Brandon, Kaidel, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, John, John, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Jim, Andrea, Vasilios, Logan, Fugabrudel, Carl, Oscar, Danny B, Jean-Francois, Drew, Recta, Nick, BJ, Cameron, Valerio, Quincy, Carrie, Stephen, Longs, Vincent, Maceo, and Dylan. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron, but would like to become one, 
please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at commander theory. And on Twitter, I am at fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commander theory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, You can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think.